Welcome to the GNA Podcast, Games, Nerds, and Alcohol, where we take a little bit of a break because, you know, life happens and stuff. And then we jump back into this and uh, we switch some things around. Like, I don't know, we just let it be super balls hot in here and we don't turn on ACs and then we change days and then we poop like three times today and then we get offered onion rings and we say, no, we're not going to take onion rings because we're drinking heavily. And then we look up and we see Aaron and Dee are here and we go, holy crap, we're talking too much. How are you guys doing? How you doing, Aaron? I am doing fantastic now that I'm... I'm sitting here with a beer. I'm much happier. The warm is, or the, yeah, the room is warm, the beer is cold, so we're good. It's a fantastic day. How about you, D? How you feeling, man? Well, now I want some fucking onion rings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking hungry again, damn it. Love it. Love it. Um, Lopsy Still Xavier, your host. Let's kick right into this. We're just going to, like, full on peel out we are i am drinking tonight so what are we drinking i am drinking tonight two separate things um all two of them being rum and then one of them is going to be a whiskey and i'm going to sample both of them so give me a second here because this this what am i drinking is going to take a little bit i'm actually going to be drinking last night uh on thoughts and shots because thoughts and shots needed a couple of people to jump in and help out watch a movie which happy time murders is what we watched and oh my god i have no clue what the hell we were watching it it was like I did not need to be drunk. I drank. Okay, you can see how much is in there. Add about two more shots to that. That's I've only put two shots in this drink because I put two shots of this and two shots of something else. But I drank that much last night trying to cope with that movie. And if you can't see, of course, this is a this is a visual podcast. I don't know why anybody's thinking this, but the bottle's about three quarters empty, more than three quarters empty. And I drank almost all of that last night trying to cope with that movie, and I still could not figure it out. So it's probably one of the worst episodes of Thoughts and Shots. I apologize. It seems all the bad episodes are when I'm on them. So I'll apologize for that now. Devin, I hope you can forgive me because it was terrible. But anywho, I'm drinking this Flor de Cana 12-year-old rum. Uh, it's cool it's got like carbon neutral it's been like since 1890 blah 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 i tried it straight before and it was terrible straight it had a very very nasty sting and a really kind of crappy aftertaste it was completely a mixing rum mixing it with some diet pepsi now and just on its own with diet pepsi comes out with some really nice caramel hits not much else to it all burn really goes away or i'm just so much of an alcoholic i don't taste that anymore so what i did tonight is i did the same thing added in with some diet pepsi but I added in a couple of shots of Blacken or Blacken Kraken Black uh, Black Roast Coffee Rum. So you really don't usually need that much of this to really give it a coffee flavor. But I'm actually really surprised because I actually did. I think about. I think I did two shots of one and one shot of that. So it's a two to one ratio with a can of Pepsi. I get the caramel notes and the coffee hit. And it's really, it's a weird sandwich because the first, the attack is almost all coffee. And then as it kind of washes around a little bit, I get all the caramel flavor. And then all of the finish is this coffee. You know, like you get that coffee flavor on the side of your tongue, like you've been chewing on, on grinds. Like it's the full finish is that. So that's. So it's like a caramel latte that fucks you up. Yeah. I've, I have a little bit of a confession. I have yet to try the Kraken rum. Kraken or Kraken Black Roast? Either. I haven't seen either uh, near me. Well, come on down, bud. Come visit me. I I need to. Say hi. I need to. 
Take a long weekend because I still have I still have the uh, the whiskey I haven't tried yet waiting for you. Well, I got a bottle of forty year old here that if you don't get down here, it's going to be gone. And that was like a four thousand dollar bottle of whiskey I've been sitting on. Dang, yeah, that's good. So I look at I got to look at the my time off. So my second one that I picked up now. This one I only picked up on a whim because my mother in law. I love her to death. Oh crap! I just said that, didn't I? Okay. Well, she doesn't listen to the show. I'm fine. Um, my mother-in-law showed me this, and I don't think she would have heard you anyways. <laughs> Touche. Even if it was cranked all the way, she's deaf as a post. Um, but it's Telemore Dew. It's Irish whiskey, and I found when I was up there last because the last time I was actually up, I went up to uh, my old stomping ground. She was having a retirement party. Actually, it was when we came up and visited um, you, Aaron. It was a retirement party. So while I was up there, I brought her a couple of bottles of tequila. One of the bottles was pretty good. One of the bottles was pretty bad. But while I was up there, she had this bottle sitting on her um, uh, sitting on her cabinet. And the funny thing is, growing up, this woman never drank, like ever. And now she like she loves tequila. She has whiskey around her house. Um, in a retirement party, she was actually gathering people together to do shots of Jim Beam honey. It was, it's an amazing change to see because it really like, she was so hardcore. Like I've got to do everything I possibly can. And I've got to be a hundred percent all the time. It's really cool to see her let go. Anywho, she had this telemore do up there and I was like, you know what? She's like, we have to try this whiskey. And she was saving it for us to try together. And I was like, oh my God, we got to try this whiskey. Well, we got drinking tequila, and we forgot to try the whiskey. My fault. Anywho, I found this, and I said, okay, we've got to try this together then. I'm going to pour up, you're going to pour up, and we're going to drink this over the phone, but we're still going to drink this together because I found Telemore Dew. So I'm actually going to drink some tonight because the only only one I had was when I was drinking it with her. So if you take it, if it's a really cool-looking bottle. It's, uh, it's green and like beige, and it's got that um, – the only way I think of it is, you remember Aaron from, uh, or Oren, I guess, from Final Fantasy X? Do you remember that bottle of booze that he always had and he drank it like this? I most certainly you know, do. Like he, he always drank it like this and, you know, he kind of pit, pipped it up and drank it like that. Like that's, and nobody can see it, but I have it, I have my two fingers on it and it going around the back of my hand and resting on my forearm. And I'm using my forearm to lift it up to like tip it into my mouth. That's what the bottle looks like. If you you know Google that, that's the best way I can do. And it's really cool because the actual cork itself, it's a wooden um it's a wooden stopper with a cork in it. So it's really cool. But I'm going to give this thing a quick pour into my snifter glass here. It's round and easy to use, kind of like uh some of the alcohol they had in uh Bottles for Drunken Master with yeah, Jackie Chan. Yeah, drunken yeah, drunken Hell master. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's totally drunken master. So anyways, we're going to Kung Fu and get seriously hurt. <laughs> I'm down. So, right off the nose, you get kind of a, like a, I want to say like an oak barrel smell. Not the charred oak barrel part, but like just the oak barrel. So, you know when you when you smell an oak barrel, but you're not smelling, like you're not sticking your head inside, like you're shoving your head up a charcoal's ass, but you get that smell the outside of that oak, just like that oaky finish. That's the first thing right off the I actually do like. I do like the smell of oak, so yeah. Yeah, and so it's there, but it does have a very strong, I hate to say it, but it's got like that turpentine attack of the nose, like when it goes up into the nostrils. Yeah. 
So the the initial attack is full on Irish whiskey. Like if you've had an Irish whiskey, you've had Jameson or other, like it, it's got a very typical flavor that you're thinking you're going to get with whiskey. Little bit of a burn. The finish is very non-aggressive. It's honestly, I could probably drink this all night. Easy peasy. I would probably say because of the burn, I would want to add either a, a single ice cube or maybe a couple of drops of water just to open it up a little bit, reduce that burn, maybe bring out some more of that flavor because that oak flavor is there and it's gone as quickly as it's there. So I could drink this quite easily. The only unfortunate part, I wouldn't say that it was something that I would continuously drink like I would go out and seek out and buy over and over again. However, simply because of the way the bottle looks and how easy it is to drink, I would probably have it as a staple on my shelf just to have. Like a typical, yeah, I have friends over just easy sharing, not expensive, exactly. just good solid rock. You know, exactly. I think have. it was about 40, 40 or fifty dollars a bottle. So it, it wasn't super expensive, but it wasn't like swill cheap. It's got a good flavor. Um, it's got an aggressive attack on the nose. So, yeah, I, I, it's a Telemore Dew. I would recommend it if you just want to, if you just want a nice whiskey to drink. It's not, it's not knocking your socks off. It's not bringing anything to the table that you haven't already drank before with whiskey. However, it's an easy drink to drink. And I think with a few drops of water, it probably open it up significantly and make it extremely palatable. I don't, I haven't mixed this with anything yet. And I'm almost afraid that if I mixed it with anything, it would literally just lose all flavor. Uh, I've had a couple of rums this way and I'm really just afraid it would lose all flavor. But that's enough of me going on. And I told you it was going to be a little longer segment for me. Sorry, because I'm doing two drinks. Well, three if you count all three bottles. On to you, Aaron. I saw you pick up a beer. What are you drinking? <clears throat> going to try to take the Cecil approach to my drink description tonight. All right. So what I have here tonight for you folks at home. Now, I know you can't see it, but I'm going to lift it up for the camera. Anyway, I have a Bud Light. It is what they call a tall boy. So it's not the eight ounce can. I know it's fancy. fancy over there. Uh, It has a beautiful presentation. The color is very nice. It's a very nice blue. Very pleasing to the eye. That's important in my beer, apparently. Uh, Right off the bat, when you sniff it, it almost has like a sweet smell to it. That's the first thing that you notice. Um, The best way to serve these is chilled in your fridge. Supposed to be very cold. Colder, the better. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so good. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I don't know how to describe the flavor. What, I want to do it the Cecil way. When it first way. hits the palate, like what's the first thing that comes to mind when it hits your palate? Um, I know it's not like carbonated like soda, but like the bubbliness. Okay. Like as soon as it hits your tongue, you feel that like explosion of the bubbles. Just so can you have when you have a nice cold so soda, like that, and just that feeling by itself. Is so like nice. that acidic flavor. Like before. Yeah, yeah, like, before you even really, like, taste what it is, like, when anything carbonated or whatever, like, as soon as it hits. Okay, okay. Oh, that's cool. Well, D, D, Sorry. what are you holding up for people who aren't watching the show? So, when we wanted to get into some of this taste testing, we want to be a little bit more, you know, sophisticated with our, our drinks and our descriptions. 
So where we started getting words like the uh, phrases like the attack, and uh, it, it actually came from I, I bought uh, this uh, beer food and flavor, a guide to tasting, pairing, and the culture of craft beer. So we got that to kind of we started off with beers, but of course it can apply to a lot of other alcohols. Uh, it's by uh, Schuyler uh, Schultz. Uh, it's a second edition, and uh, it really focuses on like you know American craft beer, but it, it, it's great you know way to learn how to describe you know what you're looking for in taste and flavors. Um, so it can give you good, like, tips on how to basically critique, you know, your favorite vintages. Well, shit, I don't even have any favorite vintages yet. I feel like I'm missing out on a lot of this homework stuff. I gotta buy books and shit now to describe my alcohol. Um, alright, so as far as, like, the flavor goes, I'm really bad at describing the flavor things. I probably honestly should buy that book, or some book, because I'm terrible at describing what things taste like to other people. Well, what's it remind you it's of? It's rough for so, like, when, so, like, that first hit, you, you described it perfectly. You said, like, soda, that soda hit. So, like, when you roll it around your mouth, so after that initial hit in your mouth, and you roll it around the mouth a little bit, what flavor do you get? Like, what's the thing that comes to mind, other than Bud Light? What's the... Yeah, um, oh gosh, I don't know. I feel like I, and I, I don't drink a lot, so, but I know that a lot of other people tell me, like, it's very hoppy, but okay. I feel like for people that haven't had beer, they're not going to know what that okay. means. Like, if I say, like, oh, this is a very hoppy beer. Let's say, so let's do this. Compared to other American lagers, so other American lagers would be, like, um, regular Budweiser, Coors, Coors Light, uh, Yinling. Um, Devil's Backbone Lager. Comparing it to other American style lagers, how, where would you say it falls kind of in taste profile? Uh, I think it's very similar to like a Coors. Okay. Like if I drink, cause I don't like, I don't like, I know like everybody kind of lumps like the cheap beers together. But, like in terms of what Lasers. I like at least, it's usually like, Bud Light or Coors, maybe Bush Light. Oh, sounds like we're getting a, an assist from the background there. Yeah, I was getting an assist. He said, you like Pilsners. Oh. So I guess that's what, that's, I guess that's the flavor that I lean more towards. Okay. Um, I can definitely, I can absolutely respect that. So like, here's the thing. And this is something like, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're listening to this right now and you need to hear this. But when you say the, and you, and I, you, you put up the air quotes, cheaper beers. Like, okay. When you take, I've, I've had so many things that cost me, like monetarily, way less than what I felt I should get out of it. Um, I've, I've had so many things that would be classified as quote unquote cheap. And they have been absolutely 100% fantastic. So I don't think like Budweiser's, Bud Lights. I, look, I drink I, I drink a lot of beers. And I know that there are people here listening that drink a lot of beers. And I think there are people here that are listening that also share the same view I do of it doesn't matter how much it costs. It matters how much enjoyment you get out of it. And I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you right now to every, to both you and D, as well as anybody listening. There is nothing better than a cold bud or bud light in a warm shower after a long day. 
Like I, I, I love, I love craft beers. I love IPAs. I love getting down with stouts. I love all of those. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll caveat that. A Guinness is pretty damn good too in a warm shower. But, but there's just something about American lagers that when, like, you've had a long day and it's hot out and you get into that shower and you just have that beer sitting there and just you're scrubbing down and you just reach out, you grab a hold of that bottle or can and you take a sip off it and you put it back. There's just nothing better. Ah, uh, shower beer. Dude, right? Right? Yeah, but, but also, I mean, with, with take, like, and a perfect thing to, like, uh, make your point right, take, um, take wine, for instance, right? Ooh. So they, they make all this big deal about wine tasting. And, and, and whenever you hear this professional wine taster, they always describe the expensive and, oh, what are these vintages, this 19, this has this full-bodied flavor of this and that. They go on and on and on. And then if they hear about a cheap wine, they're like, yeah, this is yeah, a typical cheap young piece of crap. Well, in a blind study, they found that the cheap-ass Californian wines – Beat out everything else every fucking time in a blind study it was the cheap ass California wines. Uh, two things. One, because I've said I've talked about shower beer to people, and they're like, "What are you talking about? What? No, you don't drink in the shower." Yes. And like, I just did it one day because I had like a rough day of work. Like it was hot as hell. It was when I worked at a greenhouse, so it was about 110 degrees in there that day. And I ended up working like 14 hours. So I get home and I'm like, oh my God, I just need to get in the shower. I'm disgusting, whatever. And I wanted something to drink. And I was like, I'm not going to bring a glass of water into the bathroom. Like, that's weird. So I, I had a can of Bud Light. So I pick up the can of Bud Light and I bring it in there and I get in the shower. And I kind of just left it on the shelf and forgot about it for like a couple minutes. So I'm scrubbing my hair. And then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm fucking thirsty. It's hot as hell in here. So I grab that beer and you just like cracked that bitch open, took like one sip and I was like, oh my God, like the hot water hitting you and then just having that ice cold can in your hand is one of the best feelings on the planet. So for anybody that's like, oh, that's weird. I, just shut up and try, just try it because it is a wonderful yeah. feeling. Go out, it's amazing. go out and work outside for like eight hours and then during summer and then get into that shower, crack that beer and tell me it is not the best beer you've ever had in your entire life. I do not care. And, uh, and, and absolutely your, uh, your friend there is right. Uh, Aaron, that, um, say if you like the American type lagers, Budweiser, if you ever go to Germany, a Pilsner would be what you would yeah, want to drink. hundred percent. It would be the closest thing to that. And yeah, Pilsners is a lot of times what the, uh, what they serve at a lot of fests and the big mugs. So. Yeah. But that's the that. thing. Like, I want to have a. Oh, I was gonna say, like, I see, like, on TV or whatever, like, when people go to these festival festivals, like, you know, Oktoberfest or Beer Fest or whatever, like, they always have these giant mugs, and I have a humongous beer stein, like, taller than my head, and I have never drank anything out of it. But I just want just one time to go to a party and just have this massive like mug for no reason. You probably don't want to drink out of the uh, beer stein. Yeah, most beer steins are supposed to be more like decorational i mean you can get usable ones but a lot of them contain either pewter or lead so you want to be careful so a lot of the old ones especially have a lot of pewter or lead you know so mm-hmm. i have now, like a, usually, like his like that one is what i have it, oh you're not talking about oh you're not talking about the glass oh you're talking about like the, the, the big german beer mugs like the big beer glasses not like, like the actual beer stein yeah. not like, the decorative uh, beer like, steins uh, the best way i can describe it is um 
Like, like hold, when, okay, hold on a sec. Like in Lord of the Rings or whatever, when they're all drinking, like you see like all the dwarves and they're drinking out of ginormous glasses that are just obnoxious. Like that is what I, I just want to do that once with a yeah, group of people. Most people. So I'm talking like the, I was talking about like the fancy ones, like this one with the uh, with the lid, you know, all the design work and you know, this one's uh, ceramic, but like some of the older ones had lead and everything else. So I, I was more referring to this. Yeah, a one. lot of a lot of times, you know, there, like there's a, there's a, a segregation of people who define steins. So most people will say a stein, and when they're talking about a stein, they're talking about you know this big gargantuan glass, which is roughly about 32 ounces so but steins typically steins were very decorative and um ornate like not this mason jar that i'm actually drinking out of like that's not a stein but man the uh the german glass are like for the beer mugs you get at fest like you know all the beer mugs like big ones that you get you know in the clubs that's thick. That's good glass. That's damn near unbreakable. I've seen literally them getting thrown down in anger, bounce off the uh, concrete, and do nothing. I've seen people knocked out with the damn things, and the b- mug was still. Well, that's fine. actually why I got this one. Did you see this one? It's it's a thirty two ouncer, and this is like hardcore thick ass glass. Like this isn't this isn't. Yeah. I'm messing like the, I'm I'm trying to be jokative glass. This is that's the only reason I got this thing because I looked at it, I'm like that's actually a pretty badass glass. That and they served me a huge yeah, beer. The, in a the ones that I had, the ones that I had had um, when I was uh, still in Germany, they're actually thicker. I than I can that. believe it. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. glasswork, man. Good glasswork's hard to find. But yeah, so like, like American uh, loggers, like, it's all about enjoyment level. And I don't, you know, if you're if you're too hoity-toity that a Bud Light is well below what you're going to drink, well, you know what? You're probably listening to the wrong show because. We accept and love everybody here. And I'm telling you, there are definitely times where I'm like, I just want a bud. I just want like a nice, easy American drinking lager because they're easy to drink. Like, it's like going to Applebee's. You know what you're getting when you go to Applebee's. Like, when you order a burger at Applebee's, it doesn't matter whether you're on in Seattle or you're in Washington, D.C., you know what burger you're going to get. When you get a... So, basically... So, basically... We welcome basic bitches. Uh, everybody drink. Said basic. Fuck. No, but like, I mean, you can still do the whole description. You can do everything with Bud Light that you can with, I don't care, with everything. With Telemore do. Like, you can do all of it with it. But what do you, oh, what do you got? Sorry. No, I was going to say, because he also brought up wines. So, like, I had tried a couple wines, and people were like, oh, this one costs, like, I don't even know how much money, but, like, whatever amount of money. And then I drank it, and I just didn't like it. And I'm like, okay, maybe I just don't like wine. But, like, they're like, everybody likes wine. Like, you gotta like some kind of wine, and I couldn't find one. The wines I've enjoyed the most, there's two of them. There's one, it's called um, Boone's yes. Farm. And they're yep. super cheap. I think it's, like, six or eight bucks Boone's a bottle. Boone's Farm, yeah, baby. And they're so fruity and delicious. They're extremely Very sweet. Yellow. No dryness at all. Like, amazing. And then the other one is, it's called a Roscato. Not Moscato, Roscato. And it's like a fake red wine. Like, it's it's supposed to be, it's it's like a white, it's a white wine, but they kept the skin on the grape. So it's got like the red tint, but it doesn't taste like a red. And it's not, it's not a dry wine at all. Well, like a black like, sweet. That's fucking, yeah, it's sweet and it's delicious. It's like juice. I like, I like sweet wines too. Um, my favorite wine, the best wine I ever had. 
<clears throat> was actually well stationed in Germany. There was this mom and pop like little wine and alcohol store, and I found this like you know the, it's like pretty much like kind of like homemade. They they bottled it. It was like a small plant, and it was these fruit wines. And I found one that had it was a strawberry wine. And when you drink it, it still had chunks of strawberry. I so desperately tried amazing. not to sing the song. I've been back to Darmstadt. I've been yeah, I've been I've been back to Darmstadt, and I could not find the place. I think it went under years ago, and I'm just so sad because I wanted a bottle of that strawberry wine so bad last time I was there. I can only think of the strawberry wine song, and I know no other lyrics other than the part where she sings "Strawberry Wine," and it makes me want to sing it so bad. <laughs> it's horrible. I think all of us are in the right. same boat. Right. So like wines, I, I, I honestly, I'm not a huge fan of wines. However, I have forced myself to try multiple different wines. Um, I, I'll drink Pinots. Pinots are okay. They're a little bit too whiny flavored for me. And I say whiny flavored, like that dry kind of bittery meh flavor. What I've really found that I really, really enjoy are ice wines. And they're, they're wines that are created from the they're grapes good. just after, just before the first frost or just after the first frost or some shit like that. I thought it yeah, was just after it. the just first frost, fr- after the first frost, but before yeah, the before next Before they like die, basically. So they get really sweet. So basically, exactly, what happens yeah. is the first frost happens and the plant goes, oh shit. Bring as much energy as possible to those grapes. We've got to get them out there. We've got to get new seeds out there as quickly as possible. And it puts all this energy into the grapes and it makes them very sweet. Uh, and you get a very sweet wine when it comes to an ice wine. If you haven't tried an ice wine. Especially especially because the sweet grapes attract a lot of animals to eat it, pass the seeds out, and create exactly. new plants. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those. Yeah, so ice yeah. wines. I really, really enjoy ice wines. In fact – I can only think of one ice wine I, I didn't like. Uh, but ice wines, I really, really enjoy. In fact, I tried my first ice wine over at Chris Roselle's house. He was doing a, he was doing a <laughs> UFC, yeah. like he was doing a spaghetti dinner and I showed up and he was doing like a spig, yeah, he was doing I a homemade those. spaghetti dinner. We'd sit there and we'd eat spaghetti and, and, and red sauce and watch UFC. And he had this ice wine there. It was funny because when I showed up, like, he wasn't giving ice wine out to everybody. Well, it's actually his mom. They weren't giving ice wine out to everybody. I showed up a little bit early, and they're like, hey, we're drinking this, whatever it is. And I'm like, I'm not really a wine person. And they're like, well, give it a try. If, you, if you'd if you like to, give it a try and see if you like it, because this is a lot different than any other wine you've probably ever had. I said, all right, I'll give it a shot. So I tried it, and I'm like, oh, man, this is fantastic. I drank, like, two bottles of the stuff on them. Like, it was that good. And I don't drink wine. And it was just, it was so good, so sweet, so smooth. And I just loved it. So the sweeter wines I really like. And I've really jumped into the, I don't want to, I don't know if they're Riscatos, but they're, they're like the fruitier wines. There's like an apple wine and a peach wine. And I think they're like Barefoot or it might even be Boone's Farm. I don't even know. But I guess I'm like, my palate for wine isn't as sophisticated as it is for other boozes. So I'm really easy when it comes to wine. Me, if it's sweet, it's like yum. I got that sweet to you, so it's like, oh, sweet wine. Of course, but but Cecil knows my my uh, my, my draw to like you know you know wines, you know, champagnes, rum. Oh yeah, I remember your your draw to champagne, <laughs> especially, where especially. my parents are literally like, hey, yeah. help yourself to a glass of champagne or glass of wine, and you're sitting there pouring glass after glass, dude. You were so schnookered that night. 
Well, you, you see, you see, they said help help yourself to some, you know, you know, some champagne or wine, but they didn't okay. define the size okay. of the they container. They came up to you and said, "Would you like a a glass of wine?" And you said, "No, no, I'm okay." And they went, "Well, help yourself." And by definition, they well, meant <laughs> help yourself to a glass of wine. Well, that was left out of the second statement. Therefore, my little, my very limited logical brain said, "Your Neanderthal brain said, drink as much wine as I can." And that's probably why they were sitting there going, "Why are there four bottles of wine gone? We didn't drink that much." This guy right here sits there. <laughs> you guys care pouring wine, and then we get finally to the ball because it was New Year's Eve. So the ball drops, and I'm sitting there, and they pour champagne. I'm not a champagne person at all. I've drank champagne on. Very few occasions, and every single time I haven't liked it. So champagne rolls around. My parents pour us all glass. We're all, yay, cheering because the ball dropped. And I tried the champagne. I'm like, oh, man, I don't like that. So I look over at D, figuring, well, he like he pounded his. So I'm like, oh, well, he obviously likes it. So I pour my glass into his. And then as I pour my glass into his, I look over and I see his eyes completely glazed over. Like, they are so watery. You, I probably could have just poured the wine or the champagne into his eyes to dry them out. And I looked at him and I went, you're drunk. And he went, yep. And I went, how much wine have you had? And he's like, I don't know, four or five glasses? I'm like, dude, you were supposed to have like one glass. He's like, no, they said help myself to a glass. Meanwhile, bottles are gone, and my eyes are looking like the eyes of that alcoholic from uh, the alcoholic master from oh Drunken Master. <laughs> They're all like, <laughs> it, uh, like it was, it was impressive. That's just, I'll just say that it was impressive. It was hilarious. But yeah, so he definitely likes champagne. No, I'm definitely with you, Aaron, on the sweeter wines. Like we've got a couple of sweet wines in here, and I think they're by Barefoot. And there's like an apple wine uh, and a peach wine. A peach wine, I, I actually I like, but I think I like the apple wine more. Um, but the one thing I would say to try, if you like sweeter wines, have you ever had a port? I don't think so. So I would say try a port. Um, where I would say, where I would suggest to try it first would be like a Sandyman. Uh, Sandyman or Sandyman. They make a very, it's a very sweet port. It's very non-aggressive, very easy to drink. Um, it's red and I'm not a big fan of reds. But I found that I like some ports, not all of them, but I found some ports that I enjoy. And ports are sweeter dessert wines. So they're, they're really meant to be paired with like chocolate cake and, uh, yeah, other desserts, cheesecakes. Well, maybe not. Well, maybe they, I guess they would pair fine with cheesecake. Maybe a carrot cake. Oh, damn. Actually, that would be fucking boss. Sorry. I do like so, a good carrot cake. Okay, they are so pretty delicious. Mother's Day just went by. And my mother-in-law reached out to me and was like, hey, what, what should we get? What should I get Lex for Mother's Day? And I'm like, I honestly don't know. Because we kind of like we're we're at the point now where we're like, look, we can go out and get gifts for each other. But then we're just trying to one up each other. So let's just not go crazy on gifts. So uh, my mother-in-law had suggested, well, why don't you make her a carrot cake? I've got this easy carrot cake recipe. Why don't you just make it? 
I am not a baker. I, I can cook. I love cooking. I love the whole concept of cooking. Cooking is like a science to me. But baking, baking is like, like what's the best way to describe baking? B- baking is like sending a rocket into space. You do all the calculations and you get everything exact beforehand and you hope that at the end you end up with a with a workable product. You hope you end up with a rocket in space and not something that blew up in the atmosphere. Uh, I actually in school had a chemistry teacher and I was like, I was terrible at chemistry or whatever. So like I had, had to spend like a lot of extra time, like my study halls and stuff going up to her classroom for her to teach me chemistry. And I was talking about it and I was like, what are the real world applications of this? Like when the fuck am I ever going to need to know chemistry? And she's like, well, just so you know that a lot of people who are really good at scientists, whether they're, you know, stuff that's, like, very equation-heavy, like chemistry specifically, those people are attracted to baking because of the exact science of it. Yes. Like, you're exactly right. It's exactly like that. She was like, yeah, basically everybody in my that I went to college with who was going to become some type of chemist were all into baking, but terrible at other cooking because they needed, like, that very specific, like, you add exactly this much or the shit burns and turns into, you know, molten lava in the so oven. That's like exactly that's like where that. That's really funny because everything I try to bake, I end up being fairly good at. Like, okay, my wife cannot make brownies to save her life. And it's, it's literally like probably the simplest thing to make in the world, like brownies, whether it be box or from scratch. It's the fucking simplest thing to make in the world. My wife cannot cook them. She will burn them every single time. I don't consider myself a baker. However, I know that I make some pretty mean-ass blondies. So, like, if you're sitting there going, wow, you can't bake, but you can make blondies, maybe that qualifies me as a baker. I don't know. I find it – let me – let me. I'm going to stop you right there, Cecil. I'm going to stop you right there. You make some fantastic-ass fucking homemade bread, man. Oh, yeah. Okay, you make some fantastic bread. You make bread. good bread. I love the homemade you bread. Make good bread, actually. You make a good okay, bread. Okay, so let me let me rephrase it then. I find cooking more fun than baking. Because with baking, it's like it's it's exactly that. Like you don't know what your end product is gonna be until you get to your end product. With cooking, like you're tasting it all the way through. And you're like, oh, well, this needs more salt. Oh, this needs more pepper. All right. I've dialed it in perfectly. I just got to keep heat to this and it's going to turn out great. But with baking, it's not like you're sitting there going, all right, let me sample the batter. Oh, no, I need to put in some more flour. Ah, oh, geez. You know what? I think I, I think I messed up. I got to add more baking soda. There is one part of baking. So I'm generally speaking, I'm with you because I'm not good at like the super fucking sciencey specific part of baking. But where baking blows away regular cooking is if you're doing something that you can like, cr- like a uh, like design. You know what I mean? Like you can get your piping shit and like put really dope ass designs on a cake or some cupcakes or something. Or I've even done it to brownies because I don't care. I do what I want. <laughs> that shit when you when you put a design on something and it looks fire and you're like, oh my god, this is amazing. Like that feeling is way better to me than cooking something that looks really well, see, good. Like- because I'm like, I drew this well, on a cake. Well, like that for me. So like drawing and stuff, I'm not, I haven't 
I haven't dedicated the time and practice to being a good drawing person. However, when I cook, that's why I love cooking because when I cook, I can plate something, sprinkle a little like parsley on there, spread some cheese out, spread the sauce and like some crescents around the edge. And it looks awesome. Like it looks really good. And when I put that in front of somebody, they're like, holy shit, this like you can do so many little like, okay, you can cook a steak put it on top of a little thing of mashed potatoes and stick like a fried potato wedge sticking out of the mashed potatoes and then take the juice from the steak and make like a little like roux kind of not not a roux but like a like a little gravy kind of thing out of it and spread it just around the edge of the plate and then when they take a bite of the steak the potatoes and they get that roux in, or not I keep calling it a roux it's not a roux I'm not doing a cream sauce I'm fucking drunk. Don't don't judge me. But you get that gravy in there with it and you get this flavor with the like and I typically I use a lot of garlic when I cook because I fucking love garlic. I just I don't know. I'm Italian. I love garlic. Garlic goes in everything. That's the secret to staying healthy. Is that it? I thought masturbating a lot well, was. Well, remember how my dad's next to a mortal and he doesn't die? Yeah. He always told me the secret was he always eats garlic and that's the Italian side. Yeah, so like I'm Italian, like I'm half Italian. And same here. I'm except I'm half German and yeah. half Italian. I'm You're, half English, half Italian. So that's yeah. where that goes. But when I say half English, half Italian, I like I did the end. Did you do the ancestry thing? No, dude, yet. you totally got to do it because it's really enlightening to find out like where exactly it falls out to. You remember how I always used to say I'm Anglo-Saxon with a dash of Viking? Yes, I think you're what mostly so Viking. It's actually 7% to be exact. <laughs> I'm 7% Norwegian, I think. And it turns out that 7% nice. is really fucking dominant when it comes – when you look at me because you're like, holy shit, you're really big. Like, th- that's this yes. guy. Six foot six and blonde. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hmm. Like, damn it, it's a Viking. Like, where did that come from? Oh, I see where it is now. I told you about that when I was at the comic store, right? So, okay. Yep. So, I, I used to get comics at this little place called uh, Excellent Adventures in Balsam Spot, New York. In fact, shout out to Excellent Adventures. If you're looking for some great guys, Matt um, and his brother are fantastic. Like, they are on the ball. You tell, you say you want something or you say you're interested in something, they will not only pull the comics for you, make you a box. They will also say, hey, you know what? I found this. It kind of looks like something you'd be interested in. Check it out. If you dig it, I'll keep pulling it. If not, I'll stop. And like 99 out of 100 times, whatever they pulled is something that you're actually interested in. But I went there the one time and I pulled up. I like I grabbed my uh, I grabbed my box of comics and I was sitting there and they're like, hey, I found this. Let me know if you like it. And they were cool. Like they were totally cool. They let me sit there and read the comic in the shop to see if I liked it. And I sat there and I was reading it. And as I'm sitting there, I just kind of like like there's the counter. You know, it's, it's like – um. It was a short, skinny, uh, like, store. So it was a really small space, but it was long, if that makes any sense. So I'm sitting there, and I kind of, like, I was at the end, and I, I just, like, leaned off to the side, and I start reading the comic to see if I like it. I got about halfway through, and I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm interested in this. It looks so pretty good. Well, while I was reading it, because I'm kind of a slow reader, this guy walks in, and he's probably, I don't know, he's maybe, like, five foot five foot six maybe five foot seven max and he walks in 
And he like walks up to Matt and he's like, you know, really coy and he's just, you know, grabbing some comics and he throws them on the counter and he's grabbing his money. So I walk up and not like trying to like butt my way in. I just kind of put the comic next to him and I just said, hey, Matt, I'm going to grab that. And I like was ready to go jump and get in line. And the guy turns because all of a sudden, like there I am talking and he turns all the way over to look at me. And then he proceeds to look up. And as he's looking up, like he's doing a long look up because he's five foot six and he's looking up at me and, and he's like right at my chest. Like he's less than a foot away from me because like, he's kind of turned and made a half step and he's like right there at me and he's looking up and he goes, who are you? And I went, I'm Cecil. And he goes, what are you? And I went Anglo dash Anglo Saxon with a dash of Viking, and like this bewildered look on his face. He goes, "I can tell." <laughs> Just like okay, because I had my hair down too, so my hair was like across my chest and hanging down. So like it, it I, I like had the full on Norwegian like blonde Viking guy look, and I'm just like, Matt. I mean, but I mean. Not for nothing. I mean, a five foot six guy would be looking up to me too, and I'm not a big guy. Well, yeah, like he was a shorter guy. Like it wasn't like he was yeah. a super tall guy. I think like, but it's great. It's great to have the short guys with the really tall guys because they're like, oh, well, like it was the instant in his face. It almost looked like he just was begging, going, "Please don't say fee fi fo fum." It's <laughs> just like what my brain was calculating in my head. Oh, hmm. I could use some bread right now. Yeah, I could. I could use some bread. And grind some bones to make my bread. <laughs> but yeah, excellent adventures, great guys. Like I would totally, uh, I would totally go back there. But if you haven't, if you haven't done the ancestral thing, it's like super easy. You just go out and get a kit. And if you like Mother's Day, Father's Day, you can usually get a uh, discount on them, and and they're really not that expensive. But uh, it literally is just like you sit there, you don't eat or drink anything for a few hours, and then you just spit into this vial. And then you send it to them and they give you a whole breakdown of everything. Like, uh, it's actually funny because my grandfather is, came from Sicily. Like his family came from Sicily and my grandmother's family came from Talia Goods. Well, like most men in my family, we embrace wherever, you know, our significant other comes from so my grandfather never talked about being from sicily he always talked about talia goods because that's where my grandmother was from and it was really funny because i knew he was from sicily because one time like forever ago i did a it was a school project and I taught, and I was, uh, I had to interview him about where he came from and all that jazz and he said that his family grew up in Sicily. And it was just one of those, huh, like anecdotal, huh, I didn't know that. And then when I got my stuff back, it said, like, I had so much percentage from Sicily or from around Sicily and then so much from and that. And Sicily, I believe, is southern Italy and Taliagus is northern Italy. So it was really funny because it's like, you have so much percentage here in Southern Italy. And I'm like, well, that's right around Sicily. And then like, and you have so much here around Northern Italy. And I'm like, well, that's Talia Guts. And it was just really funny to see that breakdown of it. I'm like, holy shit. Like, that's literally where I'm from. I mean, I could have told you that just by talking to me, but it gave me a breakdown of like, this is where you're from. And then the English I'm almost side. almost slightly worried though. 
Why is I'm that? almost slightly worried though. If I if I do the spit thing, send it in instead of my results, I get the uh, Men in Black showing up to my door. Like, fuck are you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hey, we've identified about fifteen percent of your DNA as not being from or non-terrestrial. And then you just look at me and go, I was in the military. Like, oh, fine. Easy enough. Have a great day, sir. And they walk away. <laughs> All of a sudden, you see this flash of light, and you're like, what the hell was that? And I'm like, normally this works on people. Like, there's only about a, a half a percent that it doesn't work on. Works on what? And hold on. Then you see Bull bring out a freaking rubber boot. And, <laughs> and the flash doesn't work. The boot will. Oh, well, D, did we even get to what you're drinking? Not yet, actually. All right, dude, come on, man. Like, I've been sitting here. I am very drunk, by the way. D, so what are you drinking, man? Well, I started pre-graining with um, the Mighty Swell, the uh, Blackberry Spike, Spike Seltzers. I started pre-graining with those, but then I decided I didn't want to use them up on the wife because she loves them. Okay. So she doesn't like these ones, which is a different flavor of them, but I do seem to like it. It's the Mighty Swell Watermelon Mint Spiked Seltzer. Whoa, back up, back up. Did you just say watermelon mint? Yes. Okay. I need a full and detailed defin- or explanation of how that tastes because my first reaction was to throw up in my mouth a little. It's actually not bad at all. I mean, she doesn't like it, but I'm actually... Not bad. It, okay. I mean, it's not like something I want to go out and get. I prefer to get the blackberry ones, but on the attack, right? Not bad is not good. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's actually pretty good, but I mean, on the attack, right? You can taste the sweetness of the watermelon. They like hit the watermelon, but it's almost like the watermelon and the mint are kind of battling for supremacy. So you kind of notice both, and it's almost hard to separate them at times. And then you're like, oh, there's the sweetness of the watermelon. And afterwards, you're kind of left with an aftertaste of the mint. Okay. But it's not like strong mint. It's like a light mint. So it's not nothing is too strong. So comparative to like a piece of gum, like the mint that you get out of like a spearmint or a peppermint gum. Compared no to that, that strong. It's, it's like if you'd been chewing it for a while. It's not that strong. Like the first, you know, biting and chewing. It's more like it's okay. been there for a little while. It's, it's more of a subdued. Okay. Um. The watermelon isn't most it, – it's, it's a little bit more leading towards – not as much towards real watermelon versus kind of candy-flavored watermelon, but it's not there yet. It's kind of in okay. between. Okay. So so it, it, at first I thought, oh, this is kind of a chemically – more chemically or, or t- candy flavor. And then I'm like, oh, no, no, it's the mint. It's the mint. Because then I read, I was like, oh, it's watermelon with mint. But um, – so it's actually pretty good. Um, but it's kind of an odd taste. But it's actually good. Interesting. So it, 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 it's it's like, I like it. The wife doesn't kind of hit or miss. However, the blackberries I'm drinking, like everybody likes. Interesting. But it's very it's it's a very summer refreshing. Like if it's hot, it's a very kind of like the mint and watermelon. It's a very refreshing like summer drink. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I can pound these and and, and feel fine. Like. Like, you know, like, if I get overheated, I got to drink some water. And if I eat a meal, I don't like to drink alcohol in my meals for some reason. I'll sit down and be like, you know, just pound one of these seltzers and be like, ah, refreshing. Interesting. So they're pretty They're pretty easy to drink. They're only 5% alcohol. So they're really, like, 
good for like say a hot day you know it's it's kind of summer and you just want something light that's what these are really good for and i'm kind of digging them i haven't had a chance to go to the uh, liquor store and you know with all the overtime i'm working really get something like a good whiskey or rum to taste test and i'm saving the really good whiskey that's hard to get for when you know we get together so i've been just grabbing these on like you know at, at the at the grocery store has this whole kind of craft beer and you know, a little section of the store on the whole side of the grocery store. You can get anything from like, you know, little craft beers to these things. And we've been really enjoying them lately, sitting outside with some of these. So I'd recommend, I'd recommend the Mighty Swell, the uh, Spike Seltzers. They're pretty good. Like I said, I like the watermelon mint, but it's not for everybody. But the blackberries for certain, you know, you're pretty close to like it, especially if you like something that's sweet, but not too sweet. I'll take it. All right. So. Now that we've been recording for, I don't know what, like four hours now, um, <laughs> State of Games. <laughs> State of Games is where we talk about what we've been playing for the past week or we just pontificate about, I don't fucking care, like what we feel games are today. So I went first last time. I'm going to back this up. And D, what is your State of Games, man? Well, I've been... um you know, playing some old school with the kids, you know, as soon as I can, you know, all the chances I get. You know, I've been playing around with some Kid Icarus, some Final Fantasy, the original. I've been doing the pixel remasters on the PC. Um, I, I love Kid Icarus, man. Like, you you just touched on a very, like, near and dear. That's one of the first games I can remember playing as a kid, Kid Icarus. Like, that's one of, like, it's not the first game I played, but when I think of gaming as a kid, that's the game I think of playing as a kid. However, I've only been playing a little bit of the NES version. The one that I've been playing more of has been the Famicom Disk System original version. And that one, you can actually save it and come back later. No shit. Well, that's one of the things I liked about ROMs is where you can do a save state and come back. So I was actually able to – it's a little bit different with the Japanese version. So I've been playing the Japanese version and I've been actually getting my – my son has been loving playing on the Famicom uh, twin disk system that I have. He's been playing some of the the original Super Mario on it. I've got the um, on the disc version, and then I've got the uh, Super Mario Two, the real one, which was the actual what we now know as um, Lost Levels. See, in Japan, they gave us they thought we weren't going to be good enough for their Super Mario Two, so they sent us uh, Doki Doki Panic swapped out with Mario characters. In Japan, it's called Super Mario USA, and ironically enough, everybody found Lost Levels really tough. And Super Mario USA wound up being more popular there, just like we had the Super Mario 2. So he's been playing Lost Levels, and um, I've got the uh, cartridge of the Super Mario 3 on the Famicom, which he's playing on the Twin Disc system, and we've been enjoying all three of those. Dude, I just learned something tonight. I did not know that Mario 2 here was actually a different game with a Mario skin on it. Yeah, it was Doki Doki Panic, and originally it was all Arabian characters. And it, it was not a popular game over there. Yep. And you swapped, they just swapped out the sprites for Mario ones. That's freaking it into awesome. A, yeah, and it just turned it into a dream. Yeah, they just changed the uh, story a little bit. And I still love our Super Mario 2, which in Japan is known as Super Mario USA. And it's a, I, th- I believe it's a pink cartridge, too. Um, so, yeah, it, it actually wound up even being more popular there than uh, Super Mario 2, which was our lost levels. That's, dude, uh, like, okay. I try to learn something new every single day, and it's like, okay, other than, hey, a new game's coming out and me learning about some new game, it's rare that I learn something new about an old game like that. 
I did not know that. And that's frigging awesome. They also, if you use uh, the ROMs where you can hack around, they actually found where you can get extra, like, the development test levels in Super Mario 3 recently as well. Really? Yes. I mean, they're pretty bare. There's not a lot to them, but there's a whole bunch of them. So there's been some new stuff they found about old games, which is pretty cool. Um... But yeah, That's so I've been wild. playing some, you know, so I've been playing some old school stuff with the kids. Of course, we've been playing a lot of the Switch lately. Um, the new Pokemon Arceus, you know, me and the wife play a lot. I well, started you said playing your for daughter the- have been playing um, RPG Maker. Yes, she is working on trying to make her own game, and we've been kind of like you know encouraging her, and she's uh, adding story, and she's adding like the dragons and stuff. So she's you know playing around with that. Dude, we have got, and, and this might be the drunk me talking, but drunk me has come up with some great ideas before. We have got to just make, like, with the tools we have, like RPG Maker, we have just got to make an RPG. Like, like we've got so many storylines. I thought about actually making a GNA <laughs> game. Okay, hold on, hold on, sorry. I've got to break this for a second. You have no idea what just happened. My wife just came in here and she realized how drunk I was and immediately took all of my phones and I think she took whatever wallet I had too so that I cannot drink and prime. Oh God, drinking <laughs> Amazon Prime has always been dangerous for you. Oh my God. That, well, you you woke up the subjective shit coming to your door. <laughs> Dude, I've got I've had like burrito blankets showing up. Dude, I had like one of the best ones I had, which they were so pretty, and I shouldn't have sent them back. It was actually a it was a stainless steel set. It was three sets. Love you. Good night. Oh, that was bot saying good night. Nice. Night. No, there you go. I don't know if you heard her or not. I did actually. Oh, you come back there and ask. Come on, come on, come on, say that. That's one of the beautiful things about hey, these everyone. Yeti mics and these mics that we get. Just coming I'm back deaf. to say good night, going bed. Can I get? Well, I can hug. Nothing. No. Okay. Good. You're too old. I, 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 I got. Oh, Family oh, don't shake hands. Family head crush. Hug. Head crush. Oh God, your boob just made my ear go deaf. Okay, you nearly choked me with your man boob the other day. Okay? Dude, what do you mean man boob? <laughs> she called you Maybe out on your shit. That's what just happened. You no, called. They're called elderly pecs, thank you very you much. God, can you hear this? She's saying I'm fat. She's saying I got yeah, boobies. Yeah, no, we, we got it all. Yes, we heard man boob boobies. and everything. No, it's almost choked her fat. out. I'm just saying you're man boobies. That tried to choke me. Hey, hey, I'm not fat. I'm festively plump. That is a real story. He did that like Beef a couple cake. weeks Beef ago. Cake. I'm not fat and big boned. Good night. Good night. But yeah, actually, I was thinking about trying to propose. I was actually trying to work on an idea to come up with one of these shows and actually be like, see, so we got to make a GNA podcast game. We do. And I was kind of racking my brain about what I wanted to like center it on. But I didn't want to rip anything off because like maybe it's like a whole bunch of different games mixed together. But then it's like you already have that DS game that came out, that retro one where you played in a different ty- style games. I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. And I was thinking, oh, maybe Evil a drunken Land, beat right? up. Evil Land was no, that one, right? No, no, it was... um. <laughs> God, retro something, I forget. I'll have to hold look on. it up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, Aaron, you get your hand up for a second. Let me, let me look this up quick. Yeah, Evil Land. There's a game called Evil Land where you play through all sorts of different RPG-style games. 
like all the way from like turn-based side like final fantasy style to like adventure style like uh final fantasy adventure which are actually like the mana game i forget anyway oh, oh, oh what i was thinking of uh cecil wasn't specifically an rpg one i just brought it up it was Retro Game Challenge on the DS, which did more than just RPGs. It did a oh. whole gamut of them that you went through. Oh, yeah. I'm a so, but yeah, but yeah, we both are basically hitting the nail on the head. I didn't want to do anything cheesy like that. I've been kind of racking my brain. I was thinking, like, do we want to do an RPG? Do we want to do a beat-em-up? It's got to be something with alcohol. It's got to be something where you drink heavily and it enhances you. But what do you got, Aaron? Why don't you just make, like, a drinking board game? Like, instead of, like, you know how they have all those, like, children's board games, like, Candyland and all, like, that shit? But, like, that, but, like, whatever you land on, like, oh, you have to do a shot of whatever. And then you have, like, our, like, the drinks that people that are on the podcast drink the most frequently. So you could have, like, oh, you have to do a shot of, like, Tullamore Dew, or, like, you have to shotgun a butt or something. Like, literally, like, you roll, and then whatever you land on, you, like, start drinking things. You have to do something dumb, like, buy a burrito blanket on Amazon Prime. Maybe not that, but like like stupid shit like that. Like you you pick these little highlights from different podcast episodes and you throw them on there. I know you guys were talking about a video game, but that's the only thing that like popped into my head. Like Monopoly for drunken children up here, like me and Cecil. Yeah, kind of, but like yeah, like inter- like but like interactive. Like instead of just landing and buying imaginary shit on this board or whatever, you're like, oh, you have to like do something that involves drinking. It's the Games Nerds Alcohol Podcast, so you just like to, sprinkle that in. Yeah, like you have to go to Humble Bundle and actually like donate something. Like that's 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 an idea there. And you can put it on the what is it Teespring store. I we have to let that stew. We have to come up with a cool idea because I've got so many different freaking. Uh, th- programs I bought to aid in game development, not just like say indie, not right? just RPG maker. Why don't we start using this shit and make some money here? There you so go. So we can drink more. We should. Well, you know, so the thing is, my big problem is when it comes to the art part of it. So, like, I can come up with so many ideas. I can come up with storylines. I can write. Speaking of which, I got to tell you about this zombie side game we played because it was friggin' fantastic. But, like, I can come up with storyline all day long. My problem is I am not an artist. So, like, when it comes to putting it, making it look good, like, that's not me. I definitely got to outsource for that. But we do have sources for art. I mean, we know several people, both family members, friends, etc. So, we, we can pull it off. So, anyways, okay. I got to tell you about this Zombie Side game, okay? Yeah. Um, have you guys ever played Zombie Side? I have no idea what that is at all. No, I. But I did have it explained to me because remember when we were trying to muddle through getting me through the metaverse and the uh, and the Oculus Rift and we were playing around. You were showing me yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Zombicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't actually played it yet, but I did see that a little bit of an explanation. So how Zombicide works is is pretty easy. It's you, you've got a book of different scenarios, and there are it's you've got square board pieces that make it look like a city or a prison or whatever. And you've got different scenarios like you've got to go find specific objectives. You've got to open specific doors. You've got to kill a certain number of zombies. You've got these different objectives that you have to do. And you have six survivors and you have to get them through the objectives. And and it's very, very rudimentary. It's you have your six survivors, your six survivors go, and then the zombies have an action. And the zombies' actions are, again, very rudimentary. They have one activation. So they either move or if they're on a, t- on a place with a survivor, they attack. 
very simplistic, very easy. You've got cards that drawn out that make it a little bit more kind of questionable. So you can have a, a card that draws out that says walkers get an extra activation. Anyway, the cool part about it is that you get these little miniatures that come with them. And they're pretty detailed miniatures. Like they're resin dipped. They're really good looking. Uh, I've painted a bunch of them. In fact, that's where I started painting miniatures. And they're really, really nice. So my daughter and I bought, were pl- was playing Zombicide. And we're playing the second season of Zombicide. And it's called Prison Break. So the first one that you play is a huge map. And it took us like, I don't know, six hours, four or six hours to play the entirety of this whole map. How it rolled out is you have these you have six characters. You have um, uh, it's Watts, Kim, Shannon. Wait, Watts, Kim, Shannon, Grindlock. Bell, Joshua, Grindlock. Sorry, Bell and Joshua. So my, my I said Grindlock. I did not hear you say Grindlock. Okay, well, I said Grindlock. So my daughter just came in here to reprimand me for not getting it right, even though I was kind of right. So we have all these six characters. What happened is they start in the prison because the prison breaks. Now, if anybody remembers you're all going to rot in prison, that's where this really comes out to because it was freaking fantastic. It was like a re-imaging of, of that. Of course. Of course. I played that. Yep. I remember. Which we've got to redo that. That one-off was freaking yes. fantastic, and we've got to do that again. But anyway, so – they all start off in this prison, and how it rolls is if you open the doors to lead outside, a spawn point inside the prison opens up too. So, like, if you open the doors outside, the inside doors open up and allow zombies to spawn inside. So, every time there's a turn, zombies spawn. Every time you open up a door, zombies spawn in there once. So, if you open up a door to a building, if there's three rooms in that building, zombies spawn each through those rooms. So, what happened is... They were in the prison, and they said, okay, well, shit, we got to get out of here. So they walk over, and they open the the cell doors. And as they open the cell doors, all of a sudden, there's a shit ton of zombies in there. And they're like, oh, crap. We got to close these doors. So they close the doors to stop the zombies getting to them. Of course, it's a prison, so it's strong enough to hold the zombies back. But there's also something in there called an abomination. An abomination is like the, like the elite thing. It's the hardest thing to kill. So they, they kind of pull up at that one door. And they're like, well, shit. We're not opening that door, but there was maps that they had to get inside of that cell block that they had to go get. So we decided that one person was going to try to stay in the in the uh, the prison, open the doors and basically just like open the doors and close the doors. So we didn't have that extra spawn point that was going to be uh, I think Bell was going to stay inside. Well, it all ended up being pretty shitty. So they opened the door. They get outside, and Josh, Shannon, and uh, Grinlock, and one other, I forget who it was, they decide that, like, they're going to go out there, and they get in one of the police cars, and they start driving the police car around, and they start, like, running over zombies and all this stuff. And there were maps that they had to get out there. So they go out, and they get to a building, and they drop off Grinlock. Grinlock runs in the building and goes and picks up the map. Well, while he does that, they run over to another building – 
And Josh parks the car and Josh is like, oh shit, get out, go get the, I think it was yelling to Kim. It's like, quick, get out, go get the, go get the map. So she runs out, runs to the building, goes to get the map. Well, while she's in the building, zombies swarm over top of Josh and they kill him. Well, in this specific version of zombie side, when you die, you don't actually die. You come back as a zombie viver. So instead of taking two damage and then dying and you're out of the game, you come back to life and you flip your card over and you're a zombie, but you're a survivor. So the way we were playing it was that you were a zombie, but you weren't quite a zombie. Kind of like you started to turn. You have the like the best parts of being a zombie, but you're also cognitive of being a human being. But you're kind of slipping into that whole I'm turning into a zombie. So it's starting to turn primal. So literally, Josh gets overwhelmed, and then like he gets up, and he looks over, and like he's got two katanas. He's got a katana and a wasashi, because that's what the weapons that he found when he was when he was scavenging. And he looks over, and like literally, he gets up, and of course he's all like bitten and bleeding and shit. And he looks over, and he sees the runner that was one of the runners that well, one of the zombies that killed him. He looks over, and he sees this runner. And all of a sudden, the runner looks over at him, and he's like, oh, fuck, you're alive. And he goes and jumps at him. And, of course, because he came back as a zombie, he's got super strength. That was his specific power. So he fucking murders this zombie, like, just fucking slices and dices. He gets in the car, and because he's still focused on, all right, I got to save Grinlock, because Grinlock is off in this building alone. He gets in the car, fucking drives over there. Gets to Grinlock and Grinlock, who's in the building, runs over and he's like, oh, shit, I got to get out of here. So he runs to the door and he's like, oh, man, they're supposed to come back for me. Where the hell are they? He sees the police car fucking pull up and just and he sees Josh in there or what he thinks is Josh because he sees a silhouette of him. And he's like, oh, man, thank God. All of a sudden, Josh gets out of the car. And he just stands up and he's got like, he got in the car and just fucking stabbed the swords into the seat. He didn't even bother like sheathing him or anything. He just fucking stabs them into the seats, drives. And as he gets out, he just yanks them both out of the seat, stands up and gets out of the car. And fucking Grinlock is looking at him like, wait, is he okay? And Grinlock just with both swords in hand just turns around. And all of a sudden Grinlock sees that Josh is really fucked up. And he sees him like drooling and shit. And there's a whole bunch of zombies right outside the door. And he just goes fucking Cuisinart on these guys. And he just starts slicing and dicing and making julienne fries. And then like Josh is just looking at him like, whoa, because he had super strength. So he's like really just wrecking into these guys. And Josh just looks over at Grinlock and he kind of looks at the car and he just says one word and goes, run. And he fucking charges into a pile of zombies, like just full on charges. He gets over there. He starts slicing and dicing. Well, Grinlock, not kind of figuring out what's going on, just going, well, shit, like my buddy's over there. I got to go help him. He runs out of the door, skips the car, runs into this group of zombies and starts like literally chopping at zombies. And literally he gets close enough to Josh to re- like actually get a look at him. And he realized that Josh has got like a bite out of his neck. He's got a, like, like, he's, like, half of his forehead's gone. Like, he's literally, he's messed up. And Josh just looks over and says, I told you to run! And so, like, all of a sudden, Grinlock's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I'm out. So he runs over to go get Kim. 
who's stuck in a building who went to go get one of the maps. He gets over to Kim and Kim's like, hey, what's going on? Because Kim saw Josh get murdered outside and it's like, oh my God, Josh is dead. And Grinlock runs over to Kim and he's like, uh, yeah, so Josh is up there playing his whole I'm a ninja thing. I'm pretty sure he's Leonardo from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm not sure. And Kim's like, wait a minute. I saw him die. He's like, no, he's, if he's dead, he's looking really good for dead. So Kim, they're like, like Josh and, or uh, sorry, Grinlock and Kim are like sitting at the door going, all right, well, we got to make it to the door to get out of here. So Kim runs across to get to the, to cell, bo- cell doors again. Meanwhile, inside Shannon and, uh, Shannon and who the hell is it? Bell and Watts. Bell and Watts. Thank you. Kids yelling out here, correcting my fucking story. I love her. So Kim, Bell, and Watts are inside the building because they ended up staying inside because Josh rolled around when he was in the car and was like, Bell, get out and go help Shannon because Shannon was getting the shit kicked out of her. So they ended up staying in the in the prison and they went off. Yeah, that. Kick Sharon out. Whatever. Anyways, all three of them are in the prison. And they decide, well, shit, we got to go get the map that's over in the cell block. So they had a Molotov cocktail. They opened the door, launched a Molotov cocktail, killed all these zombies, ran over, got the maps that were over there, came back. And one of them was still sitting at the door, basically holding the switches. And another one comes up. and We're like, well, shit, we got to open these switches quick. So as... Kim gets over to the door, Grinlock runs out and sees Josh getting overwhelmed by zombies. So he's like, well, fuck. I can't leave him. Like, I can't leave him there. So Josh runs over and starts charging through zombies to try to get to Josh. And unfortunately, the zombies overcame Grinlock. So Grinlock drops. And then Josh, seeing like the only person he actually tried to stay alive to ki- to like to save, he sees J- or he sees Grinlock drop, and then he's just like, "I can't do it." Like that was the whole point, and now he's dead. So he literally just like drops to his knees, drops the swords, and zombies overwhelm him and just like m- like murder him completely. Well, Grinlock, being having the crap kicked out of him, he gets up. And he sees Josh just overwhelmed by zombies because they all like walked over to him to start to kill him. He's just exhausted. He just starts swinging wildly and he's looking, he's bleeding all over the place, realizing, yeah, he's not making it. He's dead. So he's swinging wildly at everything and he can't make it, but he slips away and gets over to Kim. And, you know, Kim's knocking on the, on the thing to say, Hey, open the door. And they open the door for her and she's like, Hey, come on, Grinlock. We got to go. And he's just like, I'm not making it. I'm not, I'm a liability. And he just, he pushes her through the door and then he bangs on the wall to say, Hey, close the door. Cause they don't have any like cameras or shit open up because electricity's, well, most electricity's down. So of course, them on the inside, they're like, Well, shit, they're saying close the door now. So they close the door. And the last thing Kim sees is Grinlock outside, like being overwhelmed by zombies and just like, in exhaustion, just swinging this baseball bat, trying to kill anything that moves up to him. And she just sees, like, the last thing she sees through the slit is Grinlock being overwhelmed by zombies and being killed. And she just kind of, like, drops to the door, puts her back to it, just slides down, and she starts crying and shit. And the rest of them, of course, run up. They're like, hey, what's going on? Like, 
where's Grinlock? Where's Josh? And she's just trying to, she's trying to tell him that, like, no, they didn't make it, but they, she couldn't get it out. But all of a sudden, you know, everybody's realizing, oh shit, they, they like didn't make it. And that was our fucking game of zombie side. That was a sad as fuck story. Right? Right? Like, it was cool, but it was sad as hell. Like, right? I didn't want to... I didn't expect to be fucking depressed today, <laughs> right? Cecil. We're, we're drinking. Why I bring depression into this? Yeah, fuck. But it did make me think of something completely unrelated when you said something about the, the Ninja Turtles. Did you know in Great Britain that they are not called the, the, the Ninja Turtles? They're called the Hero Turtles? Because apparently they had a... They had a... In Great... I don't know the whole story. But I guess they had some kind of issue with ninja violence. I don't know how or why. I, I'm very ninja confused. Violence is a serious thing. I'm very confused by the whole thing. But I, they had a big enough problem with with ninjas. I don't know if kids were hitting each other with nunchucks or whatever. But the the government had enough, so they were like, "You can't call them the the, the super mutant ninja turtles. They're super mutant hero turtles." And they wouldn't let. Uh, I don't remember which one has nunchucks. Michelangelo. They so they Michelangelo they censored him. So if you watch like the British version of the Ninja Turtles, it's called Hero Turtles. And in the intro, they don't even show him fighting with nunchucks. They like replace his character with like random shots of the other characters fighting. And then they either gave him uh I don't know, I don't remember if they were like short swords or daggers, but they gave him like swords instead of nunchucks, which I don't know how that's less violent. Or like a grappling, like chain thing, and, like with hook, like sharp hooks on it to m- straight up merc fools. And so apparently in Great Britain they have a ninja problem. These people run around the streets with size and nunchucks <laughs> or something. And to this day, it's still censored. And they're the hero turtles. And this is why we broke away from the UK and <laughs> become so much more powerful. I mean, you're not wrong. Ignore history, no, just because of the Ninja Turtle shit. You're not wrong. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I was like, what the fuck do you mean? Nin- like, ninjas? Like, that's not a problem. So the UK had a ninja problem. So the UK had a ninja problem. They decided to censor Michelangelo. We said, fuck that through Tea Party and broke off. That's how it worked. <laughs> Actually, so like... <laughs> totally. So have you guys ever read the actual Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic books? Yes. Okay. No. They are so much Dude, darker. Okay, so Raphael, like he's always been like the bad boy. Raphael straight out mercs people. Like he fucking kills people. Not not the foot and like their robots and shit. He fucking straight out mercs people. Leonardo, Leonardo has PTSD, like full-on post-traumatic stress. I mean, it's... If you haven't read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the comic books, you have to read them because it's it's, heavy. it's not the light-hearted comic... Like, the light-hearted, cartoony... Cartoon. Fucking... From yeah, 80s, it's 90s, not yeah. that. Like, mm-hmm. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they are fucked up. Like, all, all the things that make you scratch your head and go, why the hell did he do that? Like, where Raphael goes off and be's like the, I forget what he's called, but he's like the Night Avenger or some shit like that. You're sitting there going, like, what's the point of that? He's already doing good by fighting evil and fighting the foot. Like, I don't get this. It's because 
they're like Leonardo's trying to like turn them down this path of we don't hurt people. And he's like, no, I fucking kill people. Like I have the ability. I can do this. I'm going to do this. And, and it's not like they're all buddy, buddy all the time. They fight between themselves. The shredder. Holy shit. The shredder. Like you want a fucking villain. The shredder. Lives up to his name yeah. in the comic book. Well, don't, I mean, generally speaking, like, don't comic books usually get darker than, like, their, like, fit for TV screen Not always. Usually. I mean, yeah. Some like, I feel like a lot of the times they get comics. dark. Some of them do, yeah. Like, some of them can take a dark, like, Punisher. Punisher, when Punisher started, Punisher was in Spider-Man, and he was kind of, like, he was a little edgy, but he was pretty lighthearted. And then they started taking Punisher down a really dark path. Like, they really started exploring the Punisher as a, all right, he's a war veteran, fucking post-traumatic stress. He is fucked in the head. Like, they went down that realm. But there are certain characters that they really didn't go down that realm with, like, I almost want to say Deadpool. They didn't go down that dark realm with Deadpool because he's always been kind of like the lighthearted comedic guy. Actually, not always. They actually did several different revisions of Deadpool. He was a real little bit more serious to start off with, but they kept kind of reviving Deadpool. So he didn't start off as a lighthearted jokester. He wasn't a lighthearted jokester, but he was was more comic book-ish than probably – like definitely more comic book-ish than the fucking Turtles. Like it, it yes, blows yeah, my mind absolutely. when I think of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I grew up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and yeah, Calabunga, dude. Like, yeah. oh man, let's go check this out, Donatello. Hey, what gadget do you have for us now? And there's Leonardo going, oh man, Pizza. guys, we gotta totally get on board here because there's some things going down. We gotta fight the Shredder. And Raphael going, oh man, you guys don't know what's going on. I don't get you. I'm gonna go off on my own. Oh, I met Casey Jones. Like, that's what you think. And then we open the comic book and it's just fucking yeah, it's murder. like I'm murking people. <laughs> There are heads flying, literal heads flying. And some of the, and now some of the comic books, like the, uh, what's really cool is when they went back, The Last Ronin. Have you guys looked at The Last Ronin at all? Oh, The Last Ronin. Are you talking about the manga? Yeah, where the other turtles die and they leave one turtle left. That's oh, basically no, you're ta- oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, you're, you're talking about the turtles, The Last Ronin. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. That's fucking awesome, but dark as fuck. Dude, yeah, like it's, it's so, like, I know the original comics are dark, but this one's pretty damn good, too, and pretty dark, too. Well, the thing that I love about... Okay. So, comic books back in the... I don't care. Fucking 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. They were written for children. They, they were, were written for kids. They were, written they, they for they the were campy. They were political. Yeah. They, there, was a, there was a lot of things to them, but they were really written for children. I mean... Golden Age of Comics. You had the real, you know, I mean, I think maybe it was after that that he had Man of Steel. Was that more like 40s Man of Steel? Damn. Man of Steel. Oh, you're talking about Superman. Sorry. Yeah, like, I'm starting to get like, the you know, you got the Golden Silver Ages where it was was still like all campy and, you know, safe for kids. Well, that that was like like the Golden Silver Age. It was written for kids, but there was a lot of political undertones to a lot of it. Yeah. Like there was. was a lot of propaganda in it and there was a lot, but but mostly it was written for a, a children's palette. 
And then, like, and this is the thing I love about comics is that it grew with the people. Like, there are still campy kid comics. Like, there are still those. But they just, they looked at it and they said, okay, well, our, the age group of people are growing. So let's grow with them. So you've got, you've got like Punisher Max, you've got Wolverine Max. And when you see Max on a comic book, that tells you right there, do not give this to a child. There is somebody going to be eviscerated in this. There is going to be some sort of sex scene. There is going to be Bruce Wayne's penis hanging out. Something is going to happen in this that you do not want to expose to a child. And Lobo comics are just great. Well, see, but but even Lobo, Lobo was written originally like lobo was very lighthearted and comic bookish and then they decided to like really shift him into a adult version which is which follows into your conversation yeah the uh yeah it started off lighthearted and then it went to like it's not for kids like the ones my dad not for kids like it was lobo is fuck bitches get money that's lobo and kill a whole bunch of people in the you know that annoy you just because oh yeah oh yeah 100 percent that's the thing. Well, I feel like, uh, oops, sorry. Well, I, I feel like in comic books, they can get dark like that because they don't have like the rating systems like movies have. You know what I mean? Like if, oh, you want Deadpool to swear, you know what I mean? Like that changes the rating or like you have nudity that changes the rating. But like in comic books, I feel like it's more like a Wild West yeah. type of situation. Like it's more open for you to do what you want. So they can explore these really dark, gritty versions of characters and then they don't have to censor it or, you know, put, like, slap, like, these horrible ratings on it. Not horrible, but, like, the slap, like, the different rating systems the, on there it. There is like, a they can significant... Heavy metal, you know, make Superman oh, yeah. strip and murder civilians. There's a significant amount of freedom... There is a significant amount of freedom when it comes to comic book and the dis- and the extension of art there. And it's awesome. Like, it's one... It's, it's still... It's exactly like you said. It's almost the wild, wild west. Because there's a lot that you can do. Now, there are some things, like, as I said... When they've labeled it as Marvel Max, they've just been like, hey, look, this isn't for kids, so you don't want to buy this. And and oftentimes, like I've even seen it in comic book shops where somebody's walked in, a kid, they've been like, hey, I want to pick up this Punisher comic. They're like, well, I really don't think you should be buying that. Where's your parents? Because like Punisher Max is fucking – it's disturbing. Like, it, it touches onto some things that, even as a full-grown adult, a well-adjusted human being, I look at and go, that's kind of fucked up. Like, that's that's messed up. Like, did you ever see God, Punisher Warzone? Did you ever see that movie? No, I saw... um. Fuck, I don't even remember the actor. But there was Thomas a Punisher Jane? movie made. Thomas in Jane. In like the... I don't know. It was... Uh, I think it came out... It had John Travolta in it. Yes, that was Thomas Jane. That was like the main and, and villain. I love that movie. I love Thomas Jane's. In fact, if you have not watched the... Uh, there's a short film with Thomas Jane as the Punisher again. And it's like a 15-minute like fan film type of thing. If you haven't seen that, it's worth it 100%. I love Thomas Jane's uh, Punisher. It was – Thomas Jane's Punisher to me was the – 
it wasn't the Punisher that first came out. It was the Punisher that came out afterwards when he had his own comic. I but was it wasn't like 90s Max Punisher, Punisher. You know what I mean? That, if, that really reminded me of that 90s Punisher yeah, that yeah, we like, were reading. Like, exactly. Late 90s Punisher. Like, not early 90s, but yeah. late 90s Punisher. So, if you haven't had a chance to see Punisher Warzone, Punisher Warzone has a different... Uh, it was after that Punisher that you're thinking about with Thomas Jane. It had a different actor, and it had... Um, you remember Nedry from Seinfeld? Or Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park? Remember the heavier set uh, guy uh, uh, who uh, uh, who uh, locks uh. everything down? Uh-uh-uh, I didn't say yes. the magic word. That yes. guy. He's in it as well, and he's the Punisher's kind of like tech guy. He's he's, he's the Punisher's kind of concierge. He's uh, I am so fucked up. I said that word really, really wrong. But he's he's basically he's the Punisher's go to guy for weaponry, technology, shit like that. Um, he's in it, and that Punisher, which has got I think Jigsaw as the main villain. That Punisher right there is about as close to Punisher Max as you can get on the screen. Like it's it's hardcore. It's pretty good. Have you guys watched? So I know, like right now, it's it's probably never coming back. But um, the Netflix Punisher series with the yes. John Bernthal led. Yes. That I mean, it's got some more like kind of. I don't want to call it like soap opera, but it's got like more of those like emotional like drama elements. Like, yeah. oh, this happens, this kind of thing. But like, I really, really like John Bernthal's Punisher. Like, he's just really cool. I love John Bernthal's Punish Punisher, but I like his Punisher more in Daredevil than I liked in his own series. It, it's almost like they had a good idea when they started it, but. I'm so frustrated with where they went with it. It, it was it, it was about as frustrating as Iron Fist because I love Iron Fist as a character. And I think the Netflix version of Iron Fist, while I enjoyed it because I enjoy the Iron Fist character, they didn't display the Danny Rand that was Iron Fist. It was like they went with like year one Danny Rand and he was just kind of a pussy. Like, he really, Danny Rand is Iron Fist. Like, God, they had so much opportunity there with, like, Heroes for Hire. And they just, they, they, they didn't capitalize on it. That's fair. I mean, that's a fair criticism. I watched all the way through Iron Fist. I didn't watch all the way through Daredevil. And I don't, I couldn't get into it. And I don't know why this is what broke it for me. And it's probably not fair because you could say that about just about any mainstream show or whatever. But, like. When you see that giant ass apartment that he's in, that's like the size of a fucking yes. warehouse, and I was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" That him and this guy live in this apartment. It's like, it's like thousands of square footage. Like, shut up! It's you like the iron? so stupid to me. I was like, "Get out of here!" And I stopped. Keep in mind, he was blind, so he would have had that going for him, and he was a lawyer, so like he had that going for him. Now, he always was presented as living in poverty, and he was probably living in poverty because it cost him $8,000 a month to hold that fucking apartment. That's what I mean. It was like, oh, what is the town? It's called like, or the city. It's called like Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. Kitchen. Well, it's like, New York it, City. Oh, it lives in 
Hell's Kitchen and it's super gritty. And then he lives in this fucking ridiculous sized apartment that would never exist. I'm like, what did you do? Buy a warehouse and convert it? Fuck you. I just, I, I don't know why. I just got mad about it and then I stopped. Like, so, I know it's such a stupid thing, but I was like, shut not, up. You didn't afford 1990s this housing market as opposed to now. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair, that's a 100% fair criticism because like that apartment was gargantuan for what like in new york city like in manhattan oh especially in hell's kitchen i mean hell's kitchen is well i mean it didn't get his name for any reason i mean it got his name for a reason but even in hell's kitchen like that apartment is amazingly gargantuan and that's a that's a completely fair but as i said you got to give him that he's blind so he probably got some sort of fucking discount because he's blind type of thing or subsidy or some shit like that but the thing that that Daredevil that made me love Daredevil, and it's this simple thing that I haven't seen enough in other series or other movies to make me really feel committed. Do you remember that hallway scene where he's fighting to go save that child? Did you get to that part? I don't even remember. Honestly, it was so long ago. All I remember is getting mad about this apartment. Him and the chubby guy that had the apartment together. That's all I... That's the only visual. I just have that running through my head. So, there's the scene where he is going to, like, save this kid. And he's in this hallway. And, he and like, he's, he's fought his way to this hallway to go get to this kid down at the end of the hallway. And every punch he throws, he's visibly exhausted. Like... Like, like he, he's, he's visibly just drained of everything. And then somebody comes out and he just gets this burst of energy and he throws this punch and it's perfect. And he knocks this guy out. And then as soon as he knocks this guy out, he just collapses against the wall. And he just like, you could see him trying to catch his breath. And he's just like, holy shit, I'm fucking beat. And then somebody jumps out and he just, he's got like adrenaline kicks in and he's got to beat this guy down and he gives him one, two punch. He dodges a punch or he takes the punch and then he just, he gets the best of him. And that, that one hallway scene where you see him visibly exhausted, unlike the daredevil movie with Ben Affleck, which by the way, I enjoyed that. I actually liked the, the daredevil movie with Ben Affleck. Unlike that movie where he literally gets the shit kicked out of him and he's literally laying there dying on a floor and he's visibly dying. Like he's not like, oh, I'm kind of hurt. I'm not going to make it. And then gets up. Oh, no, I was joking. I'm really okay. No, he's visibly fucking dying on the floor there. And then he gets up and has like this epic battle with Bullseye. It's nothing like that. Like that hallway scene where he's getting the crap kicked out of him and he's just exhausted. He's thrown against the wall and he throws a punch and he gets the best of somebody. And then somebody starts kicking the shit out of him and he just gets that upper hand. Like that whole hallway scene, it set me to like, okay, this series has got something because that's something I've never seen in another series or another movie where they're showing just the human element and him overcoming. I do. Uh, I, I can appreciate that. I mean, I do get like, I feel like everybody gets this way. Like you watch like a superhero movie, not even necessarily superhero, but like you watch a movie or whatever. And like, you have this protagonist and all of a sudden they're like, they don't get tired and they're bulletproof. 
And then, like, if you, anybody who's ever even, not even if you've done it yourself, like, anybody who's ever even watched a sport, like, to do anything that, like, ups your stamina, like, you have to train for, like, that certain thing, or you're fucked. Like, mm-hmm. I did a, I did track for a little bit, and I only trained for, like, one specific event, and then they put me in something else. And I don't know where it is, if it still exists or not, but there is a video of, like, you can see the exact moment when, because I didn't train for the event that they set me up for, like, my mind was in it, but my body just started to give up on me. And I couldn't, like, I was supposed to be jumping hurdles. Like, multiple laps on the track jumping hurdles. And I hadn't trained for that long, like, to do that specific event. And so, like, I wanted to jump. And, like, you can see it. Like, I'm pushing really hard. And my legs just give out. And I couldn't jump anymore. And then you see these superhero movies with people that are not, you know, they're supposed to be regular people. Like, you know, Black Widow or something. I know she's like, whatever. But, like, they can just go forever. And it's like, that's not... Like, you can't do that. Like, you reach a point where no matter how strong you are, how whatever, like, your body just gives. Well, and, and I don't think there's enough of seeing them struggle like that. Well, and that's the thing that I loved about Daredevil is that you could see he was physically tapped out. And he's just, like, adrenaline's kicking in. And he's just, like, there's that little extra burst of energy. And then you see him collapsing and he's like, oh, God, I can't make this. And then something else happens. He's like, oh, my God, I have to make this. It's life or death. There's no option I have. And just because he's been doing that night after night after night, it just like that's what's that sucked me into Daredevil. Um, everything else that happened to that show, I pretty much could care less to be honest. But that's like that hallway scene was like, damn, like that. I've been there. I I've worked thirty six hours straight and just been like, you know. 24 hours in and been like, oh my God, I don't know if I can continue. And then just finding that little burst of energy being like, all right, I can do this. I got this. And then making it to the end of that 36 hours and you're like, holy shit, I actually made this. And then somebody's standing next to you going, look, I just got here. I've got a full night's sleep. How the hell are you still standing? And you're like, I don't know, but I'm here. We still got to kick ass. I remember after uh, pushing myself for three days straight, I went down. I was on, I was on bed rest orders, right. like because uh, I you know was in the military at the time, and I was pushing myself hard. And then finally, it's like on the radio, my buddy like heard just gibberish. Well, my last memory is given like a little update of what was going on, and my buddy's like, "He ain't all right." I just heard gibberish, right? So apparently, they went over to the shelter I was in, right? And I had actually completely passed out. So they opened the door and I just came spilling out and hit the ground and I was not waking up. So they trying to drag me off, <laughs> got me all in there. And then I was put on like bed rest orders for a little bit while I kind of recuperated. Like they couldn't wake me up at first. Like he's like, I think he's dead. <laughs> I was just like, you know, just, I was a sack of potatoes. I went right over the shelter, hit the ground, didn't move. They're like, that's eh, not good. Dude, there's been a couple of times in my life where I've like, I've extended farther than I really should have. And it's like, it's a stupid work ethic thing. It's just, it's, it's a fault of mine. I'm not going to lie. It's a fault. It's not something that's healthy. And if you're listening to this, this is not something that you should do ever. You should know your limits and you should stop when you, when you've reached those limits. But the one I remember vividly is I was working at the hospital. And we were implementing a new EMR, which is electronic medical record. And shit was hitting the fan. 
Like nothing was going well. Zero was going well. And the pharmacy had, like, we were going live in stages. And every time we went live in whatever stage it was, it was bad. And every time we went live in something else, it kept getting worse. And it was one of those, they sent a team to work on it, but they were kind of like, God, I don't know how to describe this. Um, cause I don't, I don't want to label it as what, like, initially came to mind, but they were, I'm just going to put them as they were more level-headed. You know, they were a, you pay me for eight hours, I work for eight hours. They weren't of the mindset of when shit hits the fan, you fucking pull your bootstraps up and you you barrel your way through it. And whatever the fuck else happens, it happens. And then when you get to the end of it, you go, all right, peace out. You're not going to see me for two days. Like, it's not that same mentality. It's the mentality of, you got me for eight hours, that's all you get. After eight hours, I turn my brain off, I turn my phone off, you can't get in touch with me type of people. Which is perfectly fine. And I un- I understand, and that's a fully valid and working logic. And honestly, it's a healthier logic. I'm just cut from a different cloth. Not better, not saying that, just a different cloth. So when shit hits the fan... I turn it up to 11. So the pharmacy was going live with their new MR and shit went wrong. So I worked my entire day and then like literally as I worked my entire day, as my day was ending, shit started going wrong. So I stuck around and I, I worked on this and I, I, you know, found whoever needed to fix it and fix this problem. And as another problem woke up, I found that problem and I fixed that problem. And as another problem woke up, I found that problem and I fixed that problem. Or not necessarily I fixed it, but I got it into the hands. Like I was the, I was the uh, director was say, of contact. shit, you know, so. So you directed the yeah. right group. So like when something it, yeah. bad happened. Yeah, exactly. When somebody said, hey, this is going wrong. All right, I know who needs to touch that. I got in touch with them, rode their ass until it got fixed, et cetera, et cetera. Well, after I was there for probably 36-ish, 37-ish hours, everybody had gone home, come back, and I was still there. Well, of course, me being the person I am, I called my wife and I said, hey, can you bring me a change of clothes and a toothbrush? She's like, yeah, sure. Where have you been all night? I'm like, well, I'm still at work. She's like, you're still working. I'm like, yes, I just need to change clothes and a toothbrush because I need to brush my teeth. So she showed up, like literally, with a hanger with my fucking dress clothes on it. I went to the bathroom, brushed my teeth, changed clothes. And it was one of those, well, I got to work the entire day. Like, I don't have an option here. I've got a four o'clock MRI or some shit like that. So I worked the entire day. Four o'clock rolls around. I get my MRI because I was getting something done. Get my MRI. I go back in there. I start to work. And my boss, thankfully, was had more sense than me, looked at me and said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, this has got to get done. 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 And he goes, no, you're done. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, you are leaving right now. It's like, no, this has got to get done. It's like, it'll be there in a couple of days when you come back. You asked for a change of clothes. I brought you the toothbrush, deodorant, hairbrush, everything else. I asked for a change of clothes. My wife brought me all the toiletries. Sorry. Thank you for correcting me. And you were very happy because you said that stuff is actually what made you feel more awake and alive for the day. Correct. 
So I apologize. I made a mistake. Thank you for correcting me. So I brush my teeth. I get everything done. I go to go back to work. And my boss is like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, you know, it's just got to get done. He's like, no. And he literally, he said, come on, get up. I'm like, why? He's like, you're going home. I'm like, well, no, this has got to get done. He's like, no, you're going home. And he literally escorted me out of the building. He literally picked me up and kicked me out. And as I'm walking out, he's like, I don't want to see you here tomorrow. It's like, I don't want to, like, if you show up tomorrow, I'm going to kick you out. I'm like, but this has got to get done. He's like, no, you have to leave. <laughs> this is after you broke up your day to have a CT done as well. Well, I said MRI, I have CT, whatever. Like, I, okay. So, like, I've been there. Like, my, my brain is wrapped around, like, those working hours. And it's, like, when shit happens, you just, like, I, I, can, I can understand that whole concept of, like, adrenaline kicks in and you just got to keep pushing and you just keep pushing and you just keep pushing. You got to be careful. So, like, I get that mentality. Because in the military one time, I actually did cause myself internal bleeding from all the damage. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's not healthy. That's why I say you, like, don't. Don't do what I have done because it's not healthy. Don't do it. It's not the best thing. It's just at the time, that's what I thought was the right thing to do. And the right thing to do isn't necessarily the right thing to do. Uh, I think because just because we're, you know, sharing stories about our river, but my worst one wasn't physical exhaustion. It was like mental exhaustion. So I was in college getting my uh, criminal justice degree and we had a professor who said, you're supposed to do, it, each essay had to be at least three pages. And we were supposed to have one a week. But he said they weren't due until the end of semester. So my stupid ass heard that and thought, that means I'll just do all of them at the end of the semester. Which was 15 essays that each have to be three pages long. And it's all about, uh, every single one of them is based on a landmark Supreme Court decision. So you have to read through pages and pages of, of documents from the Supreme Court, Rough. like supporting and dissenting opinions. Each judge's opinion, you know, these are like 20, 30 page long. Yeah, my butthole just puckered on that one. So I had to do 15 essays, minimum three pages each, 15. So I did them all in three days. And the way that I decided to do that was... I'm just not going to sleep. I'm literally going to stay up and hand them all in on Friday. So I stayed up for 72 hours straight. And what I would do is I wrote, I would get to college at 8 a.m. I would start writing my essays with all of the, you know, the stacks of shit in front of me or whatever, just in the student center, writing essay, writing essay, then go to my class, then come back to the student center, write my essays. And I, wa I wasn't eating. I was just drinking. I was going down to the cafeteria and buying like uh, energy drinks. They had like those fruit punch monsters. So I was just drinking those to stay awake. Oof. And for the first 24 hours, I felt okay. I just drank like one. And then the second day was when it started to get rough. So I would have more. And I don't know how many I drank in the course of these three days, but I didn't sleep for 72 hours. So the day of, I hadn't considered this. We're supposed to have them all in like a big binder, like a binder with them all organized. I didn't have a fucking binder. <laughs> I went to look in my bag on the day three. I have less than, I had like... 30 minutes to go across the entire campus to bring this to my professor's office. And I haven't fucking slept. Like, I changed my clothes. I had gone home, but I stayed home writing them throughout the entire night and then just went to school at 8 a.m. in the morning and then started doing it again. 
So it didn't occur to me. So I'm like, fuck, I need a binder and I need to run across campus. So I'm looking at my bag. I was like, well, I'll just rip all the stuff out of one of my things. I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. It'll get whatever. I had a, you want to say, you want to no, interject no, keep here? going, keep going. I'll, I'll just at the end. Okay. Okay. So I had one broken binder. You know, like those shitty plastic ones like you'd have in school. Oh, yeah. I had one of those that was completely ripped in half. Like the plastic that was holding it together was broken. So I had a front half with the ring or the back half with the rings. And then the front half, which is the plastic. And I had colored duct tape. Like one of my friends had colored duct tape. So I taped the binder together, put all my essays in this literally duct taped together, ripped plastic binder with like pen scribbles on it. And then I went down to the library and I printed a piece of paper and had it laminated with like the my name and the class number and shit and slapped that on the front of it and then sprint across campus to talk to my professor. So I run into his campus, out of breath, hyped up on Monster, not sleeping for three days with this binder that looked like it came from a dumpster. And I was like, here you go, I have my essays. And he was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) And I didn't know what to say. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, what is that? Like looking at my binder. And I was like, it's a binder. He goes, well, that's like, that looks like, you know, an F grade binder. And I was like, I haven't, so I just looked at him and I didn't even know what else to say. I said, sir, I wrote all 15 of these essays in three days. Um, I haven't, I literally have not slept in three days. I have been drinking, I don't know how many monsters, and I haven't eaten any food. Like, my hands are shaking from, from like, I don't know, the running, the monster, no sleep, no food, whatever. I said, but I built you a binder. That's some A plus effort. And he didn't notice that, he just laughed. He's like, you need to go to sleep. Like, right now. He's like, I'm going to look at these. I'm not going to mark you off for your binder because clearly you've gone through something. And I slept for 14 or 15 hours and didn't get up. And I got an A+. He said my essays were phenomenally written, that they were amazing. He's like, but you looked like you were on something. And please never, ever do that again. And it was so horrible. Like, I was delusional. Like, it got to, like, I was, like, not understanding things anymore that people were saying to me. And I had to wait to sleep till I got home and I slept for so long and I got up and I was like, oh my God, I feel amazing. But like, I was just wired and crazy, like, like not blinking and shit. Like you just, weird shit starts to happen to you after that long and like, oh, yeah. nothing wanted I, I, to I, I hate to break, I hate to break it to you, Aaron, but you know how you're that tired and trying to drive? You didn't make it. That's why you're down here with us. Yeah, exactly. You didn't make you it. Actually oh yeah, no, I, yeah, you didn't make hell. it. I didn't, <laughs> I probably did though. I didn't drive, but I, um. My, my brother actually drove me home because I was, I thought I was going to drive. And he was like, no, I'm actually on my way to get you. You just stay in the student center. So I just sat there looking all crazy <laughs> until he came to get me. So two things. One, that wasn't a home built binder. You actually built the Necronomicon. Like that's what you handed your professor. And two, you absolutely reminded me of Zyberblood when we were doing, I think it was like the first or second um, extra life event. And he was up for like some stupid amount of time. Like he, he, he worked for like 15 or 16 hours beforehand and then decided to do a 24 hour stream. And he said, yeah, I'm going to be fine. And he started pounding energy drinks and about, I want to say it was like 18 hours in 18 or 20 hours in. He all of a sudden, like, we were sitting there because we were trying to do, we we're trying to keep each other awake. And, like, I would jump onto his stream and talk to him, and he would jump onto my stream and talk to me. And then we just jumped in Discord. And we're literally doing two different streams, but talking to one another. And all of a sudden, randomly, he just was like, 
I gotta go. And like he disappeared and he drank so many energy drinks that it literally made him nauseous and he started violently vomiting. And he's just like, I, I gotta go. I gotta go to bed. I'm like, dude, go to bed. Like, I don't know what you're doing. And he had something like six energy drinks in about five hours. Like he was just pounding them. Like, like, bro, that's not healthy at all. Inside his guts, you know, he had Scotty going. She can't take much more. Exactly. Like, like, literally, it was it was Scotty going. I can't reach the controls, Captain. Uh, I he him and I, I think, were probably both lucky because apparently, like, I didn't know this until after. But I don't know what exactly the time frame is, but after being awake for more than 24 hours, people can have auditory and visual, like, hallucinations. Yep. Yes, yes, yep. can. And mood, like, extreme mood changes, like angry mood swings, which I did have. I remember, I don't remember a lot from, like, the next, like, the after the 24-hour period, like, literally two days. I don't really remember a whole lot except for talking to my professor and sitting in the, in the student center. But, like, one of my friends, one of the days, I think it was the second day... I went to her house because I was like, I'm not going to drive. So, like, can I just go to your house? And she was like, sure. So I continued writing her essays at the house and they didn't have a table or anything. So I was on the floor by the stairs in, their, in, the, in front of their front door, sitting on the ground with my books on the stairs. So that I had, like, it propped up against something so I could read and write. And then I was like, she's like, you need to go take a nap. And I was like, well, I guess I could take, like, an hour nap. And I went up into her room and she thought it'd be funny to come up there with a pot and pan and bang them together. And I didn't ever fall asleep because I, I kept, I brought all the shit with me upstairs. Like I didn't leave it because I was like, oh, I can't leave it on the stairs. So I thought it was a good idea to bring it with me to her bedroom. And I was sitting there still doing it. She came upstairs and was like, bang this pot and pan together, which is really funny. But it like made me irate. And I was like, I'm going to kill her. Like I, like I was so, obviously I wasn't going to kill her. But like I was so angry and like sleep deprived and crazy and was doing things that didn't make sense. Like why would I put all my shit on the stairs and I didn't need to sit in front of the front door just because they didn't have a table. Like nothing I was doing made any sense anymore. And she was like, as soon as she came upstairs, like banging them together, I don't even, she was singing something. I don't even know what it was, but she was like singing and I like jumped off the bed and grabbed this. I was trying to get the spoon from her because I wanted to like hit her with it. And she's like, you are insane. Like you need to like you need to go to bed. And I was like, I can't, the essays aren't done. And she's like, you're going to die. Like, <laughs> forget the essays. Like, you're not going to make right? it. But like, yeah, you can have really crazy shit well, can happen actually, to you if you stay up With actually long. sleep deprivation, it actually can shut your system down and kill you. So it actually eventually will kill you. It can. It actually, there's been streamers that have done like 24 hours and 36 hour streams and they've actually like died well it's medically documented you, if, if you go to a certain you know there, you start hitting that auditory you know visual hallucinations there is actually a point where you will actually die from lack of sleep yeah I just I, I, I've never done that before since I think the most I've ever stayed up since then is like 24 hours or close to 24 hours but not like I don't like that's not like a thing I've done routinely I think maybe like once or twice since then, and that was like four or five years ago. For me, it was close to a week. Like, yeah, it just... It was close to a week for me. Uh, no. it That was enough, dude. It, it, like, th you just feel crazy. Like, you can... And because of the energy drinks, like, they can give people jitters and stuff like that anyway. Like, even if they just have, like, well, one or two. Th that's the thing. So, like, like, drinking nothing but that for, like, three days, you just... Your body's not working properly. Your mind isn't functioning. Like, you're useless. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's one of those... 
hey, I stay awake for 24 hours. Hey, I stay awake for 36 hours. Hey, I stay awake. Like, there's nothing good about any of that. So it's kind of like one of those pissing contests. I endured more than you. No, no, we're all fucking stupid. We should not have done it. Like, that's the lesson learned right now. We should not have done it. Yeah, it was horrible. I, f- I felt horrible, and people told me that I looked... I don't know what crazy looks like from not it's sleeping, like but, like, my... People around me were telling me that I didn't look right. Oh, yeah. yeah like, people that- were starting to avoid me, and I don't... And, I mean, and like I said, like, I really don't remember a lot after the first day. I remember hanging those binders in and telling him, like, oh, I built you a binder, because he told me, like, what the fuck is this? Super unprofessional thing to do in a college setting. But, like, I feel like he was just, like, there's something deeply wrong with her. I think, like, I think she needs some help. Yeah, she needs some professional help. Have you looked in the mirror lately? You need professional help. I feel like this is almost the start of one of those, like, horror games, like, Seventh Guest. (laughs) Aaron needs help. I mean, but, but, like, let's, let's address the elephant in the room. Like, we, we can all get into a pissing contest of, well, I stayed awake for this long. I, it's all bad. Like, there's just, just because somebody has suffered more doesn't mean, like, they haven't suffered. And they, like, that shit shouldn't have happened. I mean, there should have been better communication on, hey, do these essays across this many. You have to get one done per week here. Hand this shit in. Same way with the EMR shit. Like, it should never have broken down to there was one person staying awake for that long to drive the ship because nobody else wanted. There should have been clear cut. Okay, this person's running this shift. This person's running this shift. This person's running this shift. Same way, I mean, and the military is notorious for it. Mm-hmm. I've heard so many stories out of the military where people have stayed awake for 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. And literally at the end of it, they just like collapsed. Yeah. And they've just been like, oh, don't leave that soldier alone. They've worked for X number of hours. That should never be a thing. And they're, and from driving your body that hard, there are health consequences. I mean, my health isn't great. I mean, there are consequences and it's, it's not pleasant and not something you should do and not something that's a badge of honor. It's shitty. Take a nap. Take yeah, a vacation. I mean, Fuck in, this. At least in, in the two of your cases, like you ended up doing that stupid shit, but somebody else was supposed to have handled that. Like I, this was just my stupidity. I knew that he wanted us to do one of those every week. But I did that thing where I say, I work really well under pressure, which just means, like, I'm giving myself an excuse to procrastinate. And, like, I, at the end of the day, like, really, honestly, I just got lucky because I don't know how the fuck I finished, first of all, finished them, but also that I wasn't writing complete gibberish or drooling well, on well, some, myself, Sometimes you know? insanity comes with genius. I mean, you know what the difference between insanity and genius is, right? I'm not it's sure. It's the degree of success. If Einstein wasn't successful, he would have been a batshit crazy moron. The difference is he was successful. So really what I'm hearing is that apparently I'm a friggin' genius, really. This all worked out for the better. Yeah, so, I so, give you so eight, can you help us make the money now? Get to work, genius. <laughs> no, not that Damn kind. Damn not, it. So not I gotta, super successful. I, I, have, to, I have to give you this, Aaron, that you have that much self-awareness is an amazing thing and a refreshing thing because not everybody has that level of self-awareness. And that's awesome that you do. 
Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else, it's, it's like, you know, not my fault versus, yeah, I did this to myself. <laughs> totally me. <laughs> well, no, like, like, thank you. Like, no, but, but I, I mean that in the most genuine way possible. I, I hear every day, all day long, and in every job I've been in where people will, blame exterior factors because oh well i it, they made me do this so i had to do this and like they'll blame and even in my story i blamed a bit on other people not taking you know the reins of where they need to go but you a hundred percent sat there and said you know what this was totally me i could have stopped this but i didn't and i did it this way and it was all my fault that level of self-awareness and that level of 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 honesty is it, it's it's refreshing and it's not something that i'm used to hearing so you rock oh thank you i guess uh so i i mean everybody does but like so i uh i have this neat superpower where i um fuck up a lot really I just, like, I just do. I feel like everybody does. But, like, you know, like, you, you just, you just get in there with the best of intentions, and then you just fuck shit up. But, it, like, the thing is, is, like, I feel like the differences in whether or not people have a problem with it is, like, how honest you are about your fuck up. Like, hey, I thought I could handle this, but I was very wrong about that. Or, like, you know, you go into a situation at work or something, somebody's like, hey, can you do this thing? And I feel like a lot of people just be like, yes, because that's what the boss wants to hear. But if I know that I have no fucking idea how to do that thing, I'll just tell them, like, listen, um, I would love to do this, but maybe not unsupervised, because uh, I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> like, I just, See, I don't, I, love like, that. I need to I know. I love that, because I, I, am, I am so blunt with people, and I've literally had this conversation with so many different bosses of, like, look, I know my limitations, I know what I can do, I know I'm capable of doing almost anything, but I'm going to tell you flat out, if you're like, hey, go do this, I'm going to be flat out and be like, I can't do that right now. You give me some time, I'll be able to do it. But right now, if you want success, I'm not the guy for that. And I, I, I love that there is that much of self-awareness because 99 out of 100 times, people are just going to be, yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. And they fuck it up. And then I've got to come back behind them and fix whatever it was. Jill, you yell at me. Did I yell at you? No, I, I don't think I yelled at you. Also, I know that I've learned in life is that you keep extra strength Icy Hot away from your testicles. Yes. That is that is lifelong. That is life lesson right there, and you learn from D. I learned that in the Army the hard way. So I just... Did I ever tell a story? Know. Can I tell something unrelated, and then we'll go... Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I just did this... Actually, I just started a new job, and it's not... It's di okay, so I'm not going to say like exactly, I'm not going to go into details about it, but basically like I sell shit now for a living. Like that's what I do. I sell shit, but it's something that I've never sold before. So I don't know a lot about it. Like both the computer systems we're using and the product we're actually selling. There's a lot of shit to learn. Um, and I was lucky that I actually have somebody that knows what the fuck they're doing training me, but our district manager came in, right? And he's somebody that you want to look good in front of. And he was like, Hey, I want you to email another like super high up person and you guys are going to work together and he's going to tell you how to do like, there's like some government sales thing. And I was still learning how to do my regular job at that point. Like I wasn't even certain how to use 
our computer system and he wants me to go in and use a comp- go with somebody else super high up that's going to tell me how to use this other system. And he thought I already knew how to do everything. I don't know why he thought that. I don't know who told him that. But he thought I already knew what the fuck was going on and that I could do everything by myself, which is far from the truth. So I said, I would love to work with that guy. I will definitely email him, but I'm not sure if, you know, I'm up to the task of being able to do that right now. And he's like, no, 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 you're fine. You got it. It's fine. Everything's fine. Do it. So then I was like, well, fuck, what do I do? Because I don't want to tell the district manager, like, hey, I don't know how to do my job. Like, that sucks. So I emailed this other super high up person in the company that I'm supposed to be working with the government sales and told them, I am absolutely thrilled that you want to teach me how to do this. I love, I would love this opportunity. Said, but to be frank with you, I'm still learning how to do, how to, I'm learning how to do my job right now. I said, would I be able to get with you at a later date? Maybe, you know, when our, we have like busy times and right now we're in the middle of that. So I have a trial by fire situation. Said, when it slows down and we go into our lull in the season, can I email you and get with you then to learn how to do this? I think I'd be in a much better place. And then he emailed me back and told me like, thank you for telling me because I guess this happens somewhat frequently where somebody will come to work with him and they'll tell their boss that like they're absolutely ready for it. And then when he goes to train them, they have no idea how to use their systems or about what we're actually selling. Like, they just don't know the product. And then he can't teach them and he gets all pissed off about it. And I guess I'm one of the only people that actually sat down and said, like, hey, I am not ready for this. And, like, that blows my mind because you can't, like, you can't bullshit your way into knowing how to do this with somebody that knows every aspect of your job. And I was blown away by that. I like 80% agree with you. There's like getting a job is a level of bullshit. Like you bullshit your way into getting in there and then you learn whatever it is. But I 100% agree with you that you can't bullshit somebody who knows how to do your job. 100% like like you've got to have your head wrapped around you. And that's, and that's awesome. And dude, like sales is like, okay. I have done, I've done sales. I've done tech work. I've done consulting work. I've done so many different, like I've done so much different shit and so many different venues. Sales by far is the most difficult job I've ever had. And I give so much props to somebody who can sell something because there's a level of charisma there that like I don't possess. I am a 100% blunt person. If I, if I've got a problem with you and you can, D, D can validate this. If I've got a problem with yep. you, I'm going to tell you I have a problem with you. Like, I'm not going to hold it back. Like, nobody, if anybody's ever sitting there going, wow, I wonder where I stand with Cecil. You obviously haven't had a conversation with me because I will tell you exactly where I am. And I'm very transparent. Like, absolutely. Like there, there's no, there's no, like, may, there might be a little passive aggressiveness there if I'm trying to be kind. Like, I'm trying D, not, you done fucked up. D, you bullshitting a little bit. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll be like, hey, D, get your figure out of there. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, hey, D, are you sure that's accurate? Like, that'll be me being nice, but still there is pretty fucking blunt. Anybody who can do sales, I give 100% props because it is one of the most difficult jobs, like, hands I down. I don't I don't think I could sell a life vest to somebody that's drowning, to be honest. I'm no good at sales. I am, like, I can do facts. I can be blunt. I can do, like, either facts work, but as far as the sales shit and the charisma. Oh, yeah. Nah. Like, like that's, nah. like, I know that if I had to, I could do it, 
But at the end of the day, I'd be like, I'm sure I pissed somebody off there. I'm not sure who it was, but I'm pretty confident I pissed somebody off there. And normally it would be my boss. If I was relying on commissions, I'd be starving. I don't think there's any way to work with customers without pissing them off, though. Like, I mean, yeah, there's like a certain amount of charisma to it, but I feel like a lot of selling is like the necessity aspect. Like, I let the customer talk more, like way more than I talk. I think that's a mistake a lot of a lot of salespeople make is that they're going to tell me if I ask them exactly what they need, and then it's very easy to sell it to them. So, like, I'll ask them about like what they're because I'm, I'm not I don't want to like you know shut up my job or whatever because this is a pretty non PC podcast, but. Like, I'll, they'll come in and they'll be like, hey, I want this. And I'm like, okay. And then I'll ask them a bunch of questions. Like, you know, what is the the doodad we sell or whatever? Like, what is the doodad you had before this one? How long have you had it? What do you use it for? And then after I do all of that, I know exactly what they would need. And then I can tell them what we have to fill that need. Instead of being like, instead of being like, oh, I want to sell you this whatever. Or like a pen. I know like there's a big salesperson thing somebody be like here sell me this pen and then a lot of people will start telling them shit about the pen well they don't have a fucking pen and you do and they need one like that's what you need to do to be a good salesperson you don't have a pen i do you want it here you go i'm not going to tell them about how much better the ink is or shit about the plastic or whatever like it'll sell itself if you do your job correctly right right well on that note, we have been sitting here just bullshitting around, and I absolutely fucking love these episodes where we're just bullshit around. Like, these are some of the funnest ones, especially since I drank more alcohol tonight than I think I probably should have. But- Cecil, you're, you're lucky you don't have your wallet. You'd probably Amazon and Prime and get a bunch of pens now. <laughs> Dude, my wife stole everything, and she, like logically, she did the best thing possible because I don't remember my password, and I haven't logged in on this computer, so I can't go and buy shit. She was way smarter than me on this, so I give her props. But- she, She's learned from your mistakes. <laughs> man, drinking and priming, it's such a shit. On that Especially note- Especially when you could get some uh, extra strength icy hot. D- where can people find you at? People can find me uh, haunting the GNA podcast mostly. I also have my own uh, Microbrew Gamers with a Z instead of an S on Discord. Um, I've got a website, Microbrew, yeah, Microbrew Gamers with a Z instead of an S dot com. Uh, I'm going to write some more articles pretty shortly. I've been kind of trying to keep up with that. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Twitch. Occasionally I pop in. I more or less... Rather than post, I just try to watch other people's streams when I have the chance, kind of support the community. And I pop in on, on, on yeah, I pop in on thoughts and shots every once in a while. Yeah, dude, gamers, I know you haven't heard that about them in a while. He, uh, oh, he moved yeah. up to Maine. You know, he, he messaged me what, you know, not too far, you know, not too long ago before. I'm doing good things. So, yeah, most of the social media I'm on. Uh, other than that, I've been kind of uh, just trying to keep up with all the craziness here at the house. Rock on. Well, Aaron the Destroyer, where can people find you at? Uh, right now, just because I'm I'm working a lot, I'm really only here on the podcast. Actually, this is the first time I've done it since I got the job. So I'm barely here, but I'm trying to be here. I want to be on the GNA podcast regularly again. I'm trying hard. Well, we that's why we switched up the day so that we could uh, we could accommodate. That's what we do here at GNA. We can accommodate. We will. If we can't, well, you know what? Shit happens because um, like weekends work best for us. Uh, as I say, us, me. Uh, during the week, I am fucking slammed. Uh, but if somebody's like, well, shit, can we record on a Thursday? I'll, I'll make it happen the best I can. But anyways, 
I'm Cecil Xavier, your host. You can find me on Cecil versus Games on Twitter. Cecil Xavier everywhere else. Uh, I stream Twitch. Uh, no, not I stream. You stream. Uh, mixer's gone. I am fucked right now. Peace stream. Wee. Uh, you can find me everywhere. Discord. Uh, PlayStation. Steam. Xbox. If I'm not someplace, let me know. I'm I'm actually on Grinder, and no, I'm actually not on Grinder. That's a lie. That's a hundred percent lie. However, I am on Bumble for uh friend. If you have, if you set this for friend thing, not the dating part, but the friend part, I'm on there as Snarf Snarf. And I don't know why I did Snarf Snarf. Probably because I was looking at a little caricature of Snarf that D sent me at one point in time. Thundercats no, awesome. no, actually, you didn't send me. Uh, my brother, Joe, found that snarf inside the septic tank from when I flushed it in, like, 1987. And he found it in the septic tank, and he gave it to me. And Hopefully he cleaned it first. Gee, you gave me that, which I still have. Oh, nice. It's Mumra. Mumra. I still have that bad boy. Um, but anyways, you can find me all sorts of places. If you can't find me, let me know. I'll, I'll jump in there. But pretty much if you look up Cecil Xavier, it's probably me. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Reviews help people find the show. So if you enjoy listening to us, let other people know. You can find us on Podcast Addict, Player FM, Spreaker, MyTuner, Your Listen. Um, did I say iTunes? I don't know. Google Play Music. I'm probably repeating some shit iHeartRadio, Spotify. If we're not someplace, let us know. We'll upload there. We're probably already there anyways because we've uploaded in so many different places. Our RSS feed is everywhere like a whore. Uh, we've partnered with Humble Bundle. Humble Bundle is a game purchasing service with a little bit of a twist. You can donate charity while you uh, buy games. So it actually works out really well. They've got a Humble Choice thing going on where you subscribe monthly and you get a whole bunch of games. Typically, how it works out is you get like one or two really, really great games, and then some other games that are more indie, usually pretty great, but not nearly as like AAA caliber as uh, as the like main one or two. But totally check it out; it's really, really fun. If you do, put a question mark partner equals GNA podcast at the end of whatever link you have. If there's a question mark in the link, just put partner equals GNA podcast at the end. If they find a slider, don't put anything towards the GNA podcast. We don't want your money. We just want to know that we sent you there. We check it out every now and then. We haven't really had that many sales, which pretty much tells me either A, people aren't buying games, B, people aren't listening to the podcast, or C, they just they're listening to the podcast, but they don't have the cash because COVID sucks. Anyway, if you do, check out um, Humble Bundle before you purchase anywhere else because it does donate to charity. And we, you know, that's who we support. I feel like I'm forgetting some shit. Oh, pot, uh, fucking website. Yeah, but say the website, you know, our shit. <laughs> we have a website, www.gnapodcast.com. Go check us out there. We've got several links, some off to our Discord. We actually have our articles link that actually goes directly over to microbrewgamers.com because we and some diluted fashion thought we would write articles but it just didn't work out but microbrew does so we link you right over there to go check out his shit well thank you both aaron and d for joining me tonight i have uh i have not had this much to drink in a while and let a bit loose i drank a lot 
last night on Thoughts and Shots, but I have drank way more tonight, and it's awesome. And I didn't have to watch a weird movie to do it. So, thank you for joining me. Have a good night. <laughs>